Milliken. And I'm Rebecca Milliken, and this is Groovy Tube. The Crimes of the Brady Bunch. Yeah. Episode 7. Yes. Episode and I'm seven. very excited about this. This is a good one. Because we have like five classic. Yes. And even and the one, sixth one, people will remember yes, for remember various it. reasons. So let's get into the what episodes of the Brady Bunch we're covering. And again, we're doing it by when they aired. Tell you the titles. So if you want to. And so it's season two, starting with episode 13, 13. which is The Impractical Joker. Classic. One of Jan's practical jokes boomerangs, and she becomes her own victim. Mm, yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty mild explanation of what happens. She doesn't really. Episode fourteen, where there's smoke. Yeah. Greg smokes a cigarette, and stuff happens. Yeah. I think all we need to say is Greg smokes a cigarette. That and you banana. Remember that. That and banana convention. <laughs> banana convention. No, and it's not what you think. It's not like a sausage fest. Oh, episode oh, 15. Oh, we're gonna, we could do a whole show just on this. Will the real Jan Brady please stand oh, up? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jan thinks she is being given the cold shoulder at school because of her blonde hair. Yes. She buys a brunette wig to gain attention at a party. And boy, does she. Yeah. Poor Jan. The misnamed episode 16, The Drummer yeah. Boy. Yeah. Yeah. Pete is razzed by his football team for being a member of the Glee Club. Mm, I've got some things to say. Uh, I have a lot of things to say about that. Episode 17, the coming out party. And no, it's, <laughs> it's not, not what, what you would think. think. <laughs> that wasn't even that a was thing the drummer boy in 1970. No, no, no. Cindy develops tonsillitis. The weekend Mike is planning to take the family on his boss's boat. And, you know, anytime... Actually, his boss is taking the family. Mike is not taking them anyway. Yes. And you know, anytime Cindy sneezes or has the no sniffles. No shit. You know, she immediately gets really sick. In episode 18, our son, the man. Greg is now a freshman in high school, to everyone's surprise. And he feels like a man, but he doesn't feel like one at home. Ooh. Mm. So the impractical joker. Oh my god. They're in the kitchen. Yes. Cindy and Jan are having a meal at the table. Marsha's peeling the potato. I think it's the first time we've seen them actually do housework Marcia without being part of a plot. Oh. Carol's helping, and you know why? Because Alice Al- is going Alice's to... Alice's day off. Yeah, she's going to go visit an aunt, because apparently all women do on this show, if they're going to be gone for is any period... an aunt. Is visit They aunts. have lots of aunts, apparently. Yeah, but it's nice to know Alice has a day off. She's but dr- she has a stain on her coat. <gasps> oh my Ooh, god. An ink stain. Her new orange coat. Which is kind of cool, actually. And Jan's giggling maniacally while they <laughs> yeah. discuss, oh, Alice, you have a stain, and then they keep cutting to Jan. <laughs> yeah, and, and With it's crazed look She's on crazed. her face. She's crazed. It turns out, ha, 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 as Jan walks over laughing and pulls it off, it's a fake ink stain. We learn 
just like the Tattletale episode and other episodes, that Jan apparently is a practical joker, but we've never seen any evidence of this no, before. No, but they do, Carol says, oh, you're up, something about Right, her. they say it as though it's a habit yes. of hers. Oh, you and your practical yes. jokes. Oh, Jan and her practical jokes, but we've never seen any practical jokes. Apparently it was Bob Reed's first ever, Barry Williams says that in his book, right? His first ever rant. Right, the inkblot. Apparently he just hated this whole episode, and we'll talk a little more about that later. But it was his first ever rant, a five-page memo, <sighs> apparently about the inkblot. And so in the Schwartz book, Lloyd says, Bob would write these lengthy diatribes. I would often receive calls from the people who received his lengthy critiques. Oh, this Lloyd. is Sherwood, not Lloyd. They didn't see his point of view. They just wanted to know what was wrong with him. He would begin his dissertations with historical explanations about the history of comedy, so as to help educate the readers of his essays about the history of entertainment. I'll spare you that part, but here's an excerpt from one of Bob's notes about a gag store inkblot, and that's the one we were talking about, and according to Barry Williams, this was his first ever one, and Sherwood points out, what I'm going to read now, it's just a paragraph, was merely part of of a five-page rant. Mm -hmm. And here we go. Bob Reed. As was contended three weeks ago, the difficulty of creating a gag ink spot to resemble even remotely a stain is insurmountable. In the teaser, the onlookers are required to believe that the stain is real. Now, while the metal gag ink spills may be placed upon a flat, non-porous surface such as a floor or a tabletop, their lacquered finish shining like a wet puddle and be remarkably realistic, the same item placed upon a piece of moving, pliant, porous cloth creates no illusion whatsoever. Anything what would have soaked into the material and dried. <laughs> and Sherwood points out, at first blush, he sounds bright and thoughtful. But we're talking about a gag ink blot, which did indeed look real. Bob's comments were based on his review of the script before he even saw the prop. But without ever looking at the ink blot, he did seem to maintain he was an expert on gagging plots and porous cloth. In truth, the plot of the episode came about because I used a gag ink blot when I was a kid, and my parents believed it and got mad at me. Maybe my mother and father could play it, but Bob Reed couldn't. So that's the first ever mm. Bob Reed memo. And rant. Barry has the full one in his book, and it is he has like five bullet points about. I mean, it's ink a blots. fucking fake ink blot. And it did it didn't look that realistic, but it, when you're watching the show, you're not thinking that. It's whether, a you know, show. It's, it's a, a sitcom. sitcom. But yeah, at some point, we will go in depth with some of his memos just so people uh, can see the yes. level of insanity. Poor guy. But and speaking of insane, Jam, back to she Jam. also f puts a fake spider in the cookies that she and Cindy were eating because Marsha goes to have a cookie and there's a fake spider. And even though they were just, it's just seconds after the fake ink stain they fall for it. But then again I guess even though I know it's not real but even your instinct would be to go ah! Yeah. You know, yeah, I, mean, I mean I'm a big one to do that. People because your brain like and even with the ink the stain yeah. Your brain doesn't catch up right away. Yeah. You see something, you take it to be what you think it is before your logic yes. kicks in. Carol so, has a mini lecture warning Jan her practical jokes may get her into trouble. And any time someone on the show says one of these days something's going to happen, you know that one of these days is coming up. But one other thing I noticed too is that Carol is getting much better at the Mike style lectures. Yeah. Although she 
she still... She usually has to call him to check with him if things are okay. Yeah, her lectures are a little less pompous, but the message is usually She's the same. usually more caring. And so then, then the next scene is Greg has yes. a little white mouse. A little very white cute. mouse. It's a very cute little mouse. It's not is Well, you know, they breed in Bar Harbor, Maine. This is just a side note. Jackson Lab. Jackson Lab and Bar Harbor. They breed most of the... Not that this mouse was, but the mice that researchers use are specific mice and they're bred specific ways and Jackson Lab provides most of them so when they had a fire I don't know how long ago oh, it yeah. was it was really a big deal for researchers all those mice died. because people laughed about it kind of I don't really agree with it as you know no I have a degree in psychology Yes, unlike me. <laughs> we didn't use mice. We used rats. But they were also bred specifically. I think a lot of the experimentation is kind of stupid because they're bred a certain way to eliminate a lot of variables that might have an effect on the outcome of the experiment because they want to make sure that the subject, which is the mouse, doesn't have anything that would affect an experiment like... If right. He's, like if it's you just took a mouse out of your wall, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a control thing. But people aren't mice, and we're not most bred a certain way. I want to make a point about the show in case I forget to say it later, because I went off on such a long that tangent. The mice you see in your house that you need to call an exterminator for are not white mice. No, they're usually not. But we'll get to that later. Yes. So Greg and the boys. Greg is showing up because he's he has the mouse for a weekend, and he has to keep calling it by this annoying Latin name, and it's like, why don't we just call it a fucking mouse? Then they call that Myron, though. Yeah, you? but. His name was Myron, and he's shown it to the boys. And who comes out but Jan and buzzing? She weird, crazy. She's, she's like, buzzing. I think she's going through a manic phase yes. or something. And she wants to hold the mouse, which, okay, Greg, let her hold the mouse. But then she goes trotting away with it. And I'm thinking, first of all... I thought she was going to kill it. The way I did that. She looks like a serial killer. I... Thought the I same thing. I said to the cat next I said, I'm scared it. Jan is going to kill the mouse. She is really weird. A couple times on the show I was scared of that, but then she <laughs> trots off with it, and if I were Greg, I would say, hey, well, he does I told you go, you could hold what? it. He, yeah, I told you you could hold it. I didn't tell you you could take off with it. She goes into the living room where Carol and Marsha and Cindy are. I don't think Carol's there, just Marsha and Cindy. Marsha and Cindy are sitting on the couch in the living room, and Jan has the mouse in her hands, probably suffocating the poor things, crushing it in her hand, behind her back, and says, Greg has a special... In a crazed way. Yeah. Greg has a special project he's working on, or guess who's going to join Greg in science class or something like that. And then she holds the poor little mouse out at them, and they're both screaming like it's the most and hideous thing in the world. And I'm sorry, but... And Carol come she comes in, in okay. when they start screaming. And then she... She gets scared of the mouse, too. Right. And then, of course, Greg does a thing where he calls it by the three-word Latin thing. And so Carol tries to say it, but can't. And so we have a cute little moment there as Carol struggles to say something and get her fact right, which apparently is funny. And then Mike comes home. Thank God. I don't think many young girls maybe women, although it's stupid, would really be afraid of something so cute and white. No. If it was white. a bug or, well, I mean, you know, yeah, it I just know looks clean. It doesn't no, look like the kind of mouse. I think fear of mice is something that comes as you get older. Yeah. The thing is about mice or any other critter that looks fine outside right. in context, if I saw a little mouse or a little chipmunk or something running oh, out 
across my yard. Be cute. Be cute. Exactly. Yeah. When they're in your house, you know that they're, they're vermin, basically. Yes, they're and bringing they shit them. in. So the mouse is white. So yes. And the girls are scared and screeching at a very high-pitched rate, and Mike comes home. And wants to know what's going and, on. In the meantime, Greg has come in with the cage to put Myron and... The and Tiger. Fucking Tiger, man. Tiger shows up. Long time no see, Tiger. Well, didn't we just see him recently, though? We He's heard been around him more. referenced in the Buddy Hinton episode. But he has been around. Oh, and he wasn't yes. one of those. Yes, yet. he's been so around So anyway, more. Tiger shows up. Anytime you know Tiger shows up, he's going to be part of the plot. He's going to be doing some bullshit. But Mike lays Kinda. down the law. <laughs> Greg has to keep the mouse out in the garage. Yes. And Mike points out compromises in order because wasn't it not very long ago when 14 girls were over there for a slumber party and the boys didn't like that very much but they had to put up with it yeah and they didn't put up with it because they put no, fucking itching powder i know i was like what the fuck yeah and i would have said dad oh if you, you remember to put up the, with all those the boys you fucked up thing. our slumber party no shit and nobody said boo to them about it no fucking shit so greg oh, has to leave boys. the mouse in the garage yes and then they show mike help being Greg because apparently it's very difficult to have them. Yeah, but they're doing, not that I'm an expert on how they're to They're doing an experiment. Rodents. It looks like mouse they, abuse. But they're not, you're not supposed to be blowing on the mouse to try to make him go through the maze. He has to learn to do it himself. That's the whole fucking point. I know, but we do find out that Greg's been letting Bobby and Peter feed a lot of which food to the mice, to which that. you're not supposed to do. No. Yeah, Mike is there with the stopwatch. <laughs> and Greg is there to lift the gate. I think the mouse has been really stressed. That poor the mouse. The dog was fucking Barking at Tiger, when they put the cake. And the girl's screeching. And the girl's screeching. And Lloyd ha- had And Crazed Jan running around it squeezed in her clammy little hand. Ugh. Greg and Mike are trying to lure the mouse, Myron. Myron. Uh, we can call him by his name. Through the maze. And But you had a point about... Well, Bob Reed. Reed says that in that episode, he was drunk in one of the scenes. He told that to Barry Williams? Yes, he's told Barry that sometimes... Okay, this is a quote... From Barry Williams' book. From Barry Williams' book. This is Bob Reed speaking. Oh, God, sometimes I get so furious at Sherwood that I go over to Oblath's, <laughs> a bar just outside the Paramount lot, and have a belt or two, and I remember one time coming back loaded, okay, maybe a couple times, always after big blows with Sherwood, and I come back to the set drunk, thinking, I don't give a fuck, shoot this. And of course, I made a complete asshole of myself. And then Barry says, At least he has the wherewithal to say he made an asshole of himself. And then, so Barry says, I asked Bob if he could remember a specific episode where that took place, but he didn't come up with one. But Lloyd Schwartz did. So this is Lloyd Schwartz talking to Barry. One time we had Bob doing a scene with a mouse. Episode 34, The Impractical Joker. And this just drove him nuts. Completely, absolutely nuts. I mean, here's a guy who thinks of himself as a great Shakespearean actor, and he's Uh trading lines with a mouse. And I remember he was smashed. At the same time, because of the shooting schedule, this was going to have to be the last shot of the day. And if we finish the sequence, the episode would be complete. So I'm on the stage watching, and Bob's just plain drunk. And I found that an insult to the company, an insult to the show, and an insult to himself. Mm. I didn't want a tainted scene like this going into dailies, because the higher-up network types all pay close attention to dailies. Basically, I have to prevent the scene from being finished, so that we'll have to shut down for the day and pick it up the next day. 
So now I'm watching the scene and I say, okay, this is it. We've got to get it in this take. Of course, I'm lying because I knew that if we printed this take, it would go to dailies and there Bob would be on display drunk. I wasn't particularly interested in protecting Bob because I'm not necessarily a fan of him as a person, but I did want to protect the show. So I wait until halfway through the scene when all eyes are on Bob and I take a big metal lighting scrim and toss it way up into the rafters. A half a second later, the thing goes clash, clatter, boom, smash, and the place falls dead silent and I go, oh no, okay, we'll have to wrap now. Hmm. And to Lloyd's credit, or maybe not, I'm not sure, he doesn't say what scene it was and that they did shoot it the next day, I guess. Yeah. But there's also an implication that Bob was drunk in some of the I scenes. I swear I saw it mentioned somewhere else that he was drunk in a scene. And so he's pissed off about having to interact with the mouse, and the one scene where he interacts with the mouse is the maze scene that we were just talking yeah, and about. And he does that kind of drunk in that. He does seem drunk, but the one he really seems drunk into, at least to me, is coming up. Yeah. I mean, he's not like falling down, slurring your words. If you didn't know he was Although we both said about that scene that we're going to talk it. about, that we both felt that, that he was acting a little odd. The other thing about that episode that Barry talks about is that he's talking about the director who is Otto, Oscar, Oscar Rudolph. Who directed more than any other director. He was apparently a control freak. <laughs> but the directors are to supposed be, to be, right? right? But he was trying to direct the mouse, <laughs> which didn't work out very well. Yeah, he was trying to make it. He had this idea for the scene where the mouse would go and everything and of course the mouse isn't the mouse gonna just does the mouse wants. isn't tiger well the thing is you have to, it could be a trained mouse i mean but you have to put food or something to make right. him go the direction it did scurry around a lot he was cute he was cute when he was looking out of the shoe yes i thought that was cute. later so but so so jan shows up when mike and greg are wrapping up the maze thing for the night and mike's like i'm not going to be able to help you tomorrow because i have a big meeting or so i don't know what it is and jan says oh i'll help in her crazed way as she... Which no one seems to notice how crazy she is. I know, really. Greg says that's fine, and he's putting a little cloth over the mouse's cage, and he says, and Jen's like, seems concerned that the mouse is going to stay out in the... In the garage, yes. But Greg says, no, it'll be fine. He'll be fine out here. And they go into the house. And then he wakes up in the middle of the night, worried because he just remembered about Guinevere, the neighbor's cat. Although, if they had kept Fluffy, maybe they would know that Guinevere probably has enough mice to go after outside that she isn't going to care about one in a cage. Mm -hmm. Or even if she does, she's not going to be able to get to it. Yes. Although, sometimes with cats, where there's a will, there's a way. And so he wakes up his brothers. Yes. And they sneak down to the garage, and Jan happens to be standing out. like a crazy woman, looking out her bedroom window. I like the way the bedroom windows always face wherever they need to see. It made me think of, like, the crazy woman in the attic in Jane Eyre or something. Me too. Insanely watching. Because the boys boys decide they're going to bring the mouse into the house just for the night. And Peter says, Dad won't like it. But then they decide... Not to wake Dad up, just to tell him about Guinevere. And so they... Bring the little mouse in the cage. And Jan is watching, and you can see just the crazy wheels <laughs> clashing So And they fall head. promptly to sleep, but Jan doesn't because she's on a manic, crazed, I don't know what. She sneaks in. And she takes him out of the cage and puts him in the clothes hamper, yeah, which did. apparently has no clothes in it. Apparently, not only does it have no clothes in it, it's one of those old wicker. It's so dirty and gross. I'm but sure I guess, my house is just as bad, but... Yeah, no, I 
guess that's probably realistic, too. Yeah. But I thought to myself as this was going on, Mike is not going to be no. happy with Mike anyone. Mike will be upset. And the boys wake up, and Myron's not in his cage. But the cage is as closed. As Jan looks on crazily. Yeah, through the bathroom door, and the typical Brady thing, somebody's in the room or looking in the room, and the other people in the room no, have no knowledge. I called that her the shining moment, <laughs> because she's got the bathroom door open, and she's so, you know, like, here's Johnny. It's like, here's Jan. And uh, Carol's getting ready to go shopping with... And can I just say, Not Ellie poor Martin. Myron, maybe the experiment should have been how extreme changes to environment and manhandling affect the psyche of a little mouse. <laughs> no wonder he tried, wanted to escape. But anyways. He's little... Well, it's funny... Carol's trying to pick out what to wear for her shopping yes, trip. She's with Marge. Because back in guess, 1970, you, you dress up to, to go, go shopping. shopping. Well, you know, well, women. They used to go to lunch at the, you know, the department stores would have a nice little cafe yes, they in did. them. And, yeah. But kind of like the food court now, only different. Yeah. She's going with Marge, who must be the new Martha. Although or in a later Ellie, episode, we have Ellie. Ellie yeah. But, well, Ellie's annoying and talks on the phone all the time. Yeah. But she's going shopping with Marge. And so they have a funny bit. And I'll give them... Part of it is just to show, just to have this bit going on with the mouse. But of course, Carol can't decide on what shoes to wear or what bag. Just says, "Well," and like maybe because he's too and drunk. And she's like, "You're right." To say his lines. You're right. That doesn't go together. Yeah, and meanwhile, little Myron's crawling in and out. I know. Like every time a, she's about to grab a shoe, he crawls out of it. I know. He, it shows him peeking out of the <laughs> shoe with his his cute little nose twitching. But meanwhile, the boys have to find Myron, and they don't want Dad to find. And out they don't want anybody. anyone. Else. And, and so they're Saturday morning. Right, so they're looking in the upstairs hallway, and Dad's up early because he has to go to this meeting. But, and of course, Jan comes sauntering along, and in her crazy way, what are you looking for? And of course, Greg and Peter are immediately, oh, it's not up here. And Bobby's like, yeah, he's not up here. And they're like, it, it. You know. <laughs> so anyway, they decide to go downstairs and start looking. Somehow, Mike would have had to have walked through the living room and seen them looking, but he's Next time we see him, he's in the kitchen, and Alice is back that morning from visiting her... Her aunt. Her aunt. They have a little joke. Mike's drinking some coffee. Oh, yeah. Or maybe some early morning booze, a little hair of the dog that bit him. Although we have what I think is his most drunken scene coming up. Neither of them know about Mouse. He goes in the living room, and the boys are looking in the fake plants by the stairway. So Robert Reed... When you watch this, he did seem a little loosey goosey. He did. To although me. he wasn't. And I forgot about the drunk scene until. Yeah, until we looking, went back and yeah. looked after we remembered he was supposed to be drunk in this episode. He didn't seem like Mike. No. He, but the funny thing is, he asked the boys what they're doing and they're like, and I think. But then he says, well, if it's something you can't talk about, just tell me you can't talk about it. So the three of them say, we can't talk about it. And he actually lets that go, which is weird <laughs> and has nothing to do with him being <laughs> drunk. But then as he's leaving, you know, Greg's conscience gets the yes. best of him. He says, Dad, we were looking for Myron. And Mike is a little this, miffed. The whole thing comes out that they were afraid of Guinevere. And yeah, and the they cage don't is here, Mike but up. Myron's yeah. uh, missing from it. We see Myron as they talk scurrying, scurrying into, the into the kitchen. And Alice has miraculously changed from the traveling and suit. Back into her uniform. She was wearing. Oh, and also earlier, Mike finishes his coffee and just puts it down on the counter. Oh, shit. And Alice, who's obviously just arrived, and she's wearing this, like, like, 
old-fashioned traveling attire and everything, takes the coffee cup and puts it in the Which sink. Which he was literally like a five inches less than a foot from yeah. the sink. He put it down like right so, next to the sink. Alice sees the mouse and screams. Nobody apparently hears her scream, even though the boys are in the living room. And somebody does a little later, but she yes. gets up on a chair. Yes. She walks across the chairs to the phone and calls, looks it up, and calls an exterminator and has and him come up. I'm sorry, but it's a white mouse. It's a little white mouse. It's yes. not a little gray, even those are cute, though, coming out right. of your wall. It's, it's not it. the kind of mouse you would see in a house if you had I a mean, mouse I wouldn't. infestation. Okay, she was away for the night, so I guess that's why they didn't tell her about the... Well, that's another thing. I said, well, wouldn't the, the boys, at least in List Al, she was away for the night, but she was back, and she had time to change into her uniform, and they're frantically looking around, and she's in the kitchen. And the girls come in as Alice is on the chair, and she doesn't tell them. No, she's. They said, "Oh, did we hear you scream or something?" And she makes some up some Where's story about some she was checking story. the light. Oh yeah. And she slipped on the chair. Yeah, and she's okay. Like and I don't know why she doesn't tell them about them. I think she's, because then we would have no because, plot, and then we would know that she's a she's a she's, bad housekeeper, and, and the, oh, house, the house is gross because of her, and oh, that's what it attracted. I didn't rodents. think of that. Yes, because the whole thing is that if you have mice, it means your house is dirty. Mm-hmm. And maybe it is if you live in the suburbs. If you live in the country, like where my house is, it's just that there are mice everywhere because you're it's out in the country. Yeah, it can come in very easily. Yes, especially old houses. And the exterminator is coming within an hour. Although they don't nice. have a basement. They probably have like a crawl space or something. Yeah, maybe they do. Oh yeah, because the exterminator sprays under the uh, house. Yes, he does. Yeah, so he gets there really fast. He got there right away and he squirted under the house. And the boys see him. And they're sad at they Myron's are. demise. And Alice is a murderess, yeah. as she points out. Weirdo Jan thinks Myron is still in the hamper. Yes. Wouldn't you, if you were Jan, have checked? I, would, I wouldn't have been able to sleep knowing I had put that mouse in the hamper. I would have checked on him first thing in the morning. Yes. But apparently Jan didn't because she's all dressed and... She's a fucking So she goes, oh, you're going to be really mad at me, but then you're going to be really happy too. And so she brings the boys up, opens the hamper, and Bobby, I think, says, all I see is a hole. That's right. And then Jan becomes a little unhinged. And that's when Tiger starts howling. Yes, and but nobody says... What the fuck is wrong, what with, is wrong Tiger? with Tiger? Because he's a fuck... Well, my- and somebody says, oh, even Tiger's sad. And it's like, if my dog... I had a dog who every once in a while... I had one dog who howled. She liked to howl at sirens and ice cream trucks. part beagle, that's what I think. Possibly, yes. And I had another dog... When he made the noise Tiger was making, he's he made it maybe three or four times in his life, he was stuck somewhere. <laughs> One time in my car, he fell on his back like a little turtle because he was part corgi and had these short little legs. On the back seat, he fell onto the floor and he was upside down <laughs> and he couldn't turn Aww, around. And he was Joey. making that noise and I'm like, what the hell? But if your dog is making that noise... There's you go find out what's wrong what with it. Is. And my cat was watching with me. Yeah, she likes the Brady Bunch. She keeps she waiting likes, for Fluffy to come no, back. No, she likes to watch. Like she an likes abandoned screens. child. She, she gets very interested in the screen. Um, but she heard that and she got puffed up. Oh, Every wow. time he howled, she was like looking yeah. around puffing well, it, up. Well, it is kind of, it was kind of an unworldly sound well, Tiger dog was howling making. Is, but it had no I mean, effect. I think he really was doing it. Yes, it had no effect on the kids. But he was a trained dog. And so everybody troops into the family room where the girls are. And Jan's crying. And, right. And Carol says, 
episode, so we heard about Myron and Jan. Really? Oh, because Carol goes in the kitchen and Alice tells her. Oh, yeah, Alice, Alice feels really bad because she does feel bad, and she plays it well. Amby Davis. Oh, as always. And so Carol goes into the family room where the three girls are sitting around the table, and Jan becomes totally unhinged and is sobbing <laughs> hysterically because she's just on this roller coaster of yeah. mania. Yes, I she think. Is. And from laughing hysterically to sobbing hysterically. Yes. And I'll never needs, play a practical she joke needs again. Equilibrium or whatever they get. And Mike people. and the boys come in and I was actually expecting Jan to get a lecture. I was too. But I guess like, she learned her lesson. I told you so lecture. But but Tiger actually interrupts it anyway. Yeah, because somebody, I think it's Carol. Yes, Carol. Finally says, what's like, wrong with Tiger? And then they go out there and they still can't figure it out. He's sitting next to his doghouse. His doghouse howling. His doghouse where everything, <laughs> kitty carry all. Everything uh, ends Everything up has ended up in Tiger's They doghouse. finally figure it out. Mike, Mike looks in and he's makes... The man. Greg. He drunkenly bends over <laughs> and he goes, aha! And Greg's like, what, Dad? Instead of... Saying, well, because someone says Tiger was afraid of the mouse. or well, He wouldn't be sad that the mouse is dead, wasn't right, he? Right, Tiger afraid was of, afraid of the and mouse. And then that light bulb goes off. And Mike looks in the doghouse. And apparently... And doesn't say, oh, there's Myron. He well, says... that would be too simple. Right. He says, aha! Or something like yes, that. And, and Greg's Greg, like, what, Dad? Because it takes a little time for this family to put two and two together. Yes. And then there's Myron on the fake grass. Not even Towering in the corner. Uh, yeah, it looks like that kind of grass. It's like it's the Easter. It's those rugs we sell. It's, yeah. No, it's those rugs we sell at, at, a, at, at Lowe's and Home yeah, Depot, the yeah. fake grass rugs. But he's cowering in the corner. Don't make me go back into your crazed house. But they, and they're always picking him up by the tail. I guess that's okay. They don't. I don't think they mind it. I don't know. How do we know? I don't know. And then the girls suddenly think he's cute. I mean, Jan did like him before. Obviously, yeah. she wasn't scared. She picked him up. But the other two girls are like, they're all cooing over him. And, and then the end, the well, tag. Well, the tag is one of my all-time favorite tags so far. Jan is peeling bananas in the kitchen. with. So it's kind of like a, almost like a bookend to, to the, the first yes. one with... With Carol. Carol. And, and she and mentions peeling bananas is easier than peeling potatoes. And, and it's like, yeah, because I wouldn't let that girl have a knife. No. If my life depended on it. But... Alice comes in with, with her, her uniform. uniform she's washing her uniforms, maybe? Yeah, she's going to go wash her uniform. But, which is weird, because the washer is behind her where she just came out of. And there's an ink stain. And Alice is like, oh, you couldn't resist playing one more and job. And Jan's like, ah, ah, uh, looking like, you she know, doesn't she's afraid she's going to be And Alice is like, I know what face. to do with this. And she rips her... Because it's a real ink stain. And then, yes, so what you like is the ad, it almost like very and natural. And Jan, it was very natural, although still a little crazy. Jan's like, hey, she thought I did it. And Carol's like, yeah, she did. And, and it was just, it was yeah, kind of a funny It was very thing. brief. And, and actually, I played it over laughing times yeah because and it's actually a very natural yes it looks like moment. they're kind of like just i don't know it felt not an ablib but she was naturally yeah they were naturally interacting but with also other. it felt like it still felt a little crazy oh she's poor kid the craziness is not limited to this one episode oh no no i mean it gets it gets crazier. But, but before not, that, before that one, this is a one that people will remember. This right? is classic. Yes, this is an absolute classic. And I want to say before we start, Sherwood Schwartz mentions this in 
Brady, Brady, Brady. They were afraid they'd get censored. Sherwood Schwartz was very, or maybe Lloyd Schwartz is the one who mentions it, but Sherwood was very anti-smoking. He had some smoking illnesses and deaths in his family. And this was when there was still cigarette advertising on yes. TV and you younger like people. Winston tastes good like a boom, boom, cigarette should. And there was that one that went um, to the tune of Santana's Black Magic Woman. Winchester. Winchester something else. Oh, so Winchester. What, Santana's no, song? Oh, no. Uh, you've got to change your yeah. evil ways. Yes, I can't carry a tune. It was a big deal if you weren't alive then. In 1971, they stopped advertising yeah. cigarettes on TV, and it was a huge deal. But this episode was filmed before this, and it's an, and Sherwood Schwartz, he tried to stay away from topical things, but he was very anti-smoking. And this is a very anti-smoking show. But he was afraid they would get censored. And there's only one other episode that got censored, and it was for something completely different. And we'll talk about it later in the season when we come to that one. But they didn't hear a word, and they were surprised hmm. that they didn't hear a word. And, and this one is, in case you're keeping score, Season 2, Episode 14, called Where There's Smoke. Where I just remember this episode so well. I do, too. There's so many things about it that were just... And, and there's just a little TV thing that's still true today in this. Greg's wearing a Letterman jacket. You see the jacket hanging on a bed in his bedroom. You see it. Whenever there's something... In an episode of a show, like on The Mentalist, I always knew within the first five minutes who the murderer was going to be. Whenever there's something that there seems to be too much attention paid to, yeah. it's that you haven't really be seen before. Or if Tiger's in it. But yeah, Tiger's always a so plot at first, device. My first thought, the opening scene, it turns out I read later because I was looking up places that shows were shot, or somebody in the show mentions it's a park. I thought it was, they were still at school. I thought they were at school. And I'm like, too. oh, the smoking area. The smoking area. Just like in, they have in, um, but maybe in Freaks and Geeks, maybe, except for they're never smoking. Well, just like we had at Coney. None of the characters ever smoking in the smoking yeah. area in Freaks and Geeks. We had at our high school, yeah, yes. Yeah, we did. I think anyone that went to high school in, in the, the 70s. 60, anywhere 60s. probably from the 60s. Yeah, and so up. I'm thinking, okay, their high school has a smoking area. That's what I thought, too. But they're in a park. So there's these cool, really hip guys, Tommy, who plays a part. And then and there's some guy with glasses and a and, bowl cut. And a, a shag bowl cut. Yeah. And another kid, and they're in a band. Yeah, and, and they're they have, smoking. Right, cigarettes. and they're smoking they're cigarettes. All three of them are smoking and cigarettes. And they have Greg, Talking if he wants around. to gig with them that weekend, because he plays the guitar. Yes. And he's all excited, and Tommy just casually offers him a cigarette, and Greg at first declines, but then takes one. And I know Greg plays baseball and stuff, and I don't know if it's true today, but I know when we went to high school, if you were on a sports team, you had to sign a thing. Even if you, you were a cheerleader, yes. Yeah. Which I was not. Were you on an ice hockey cheerleader? No, I was not. Oh, Thank I'm you sorry. for reminding me of that. I, I auditioned and did not <laughs> Make sorry. It. I'm sorry. So thank you. Actually, um, it's to your credit that you didn't make it because we know that that you know it's a popularity contest. Whatever. You forgot their band's name. The Banana Convention. Which I wrote. and no, I didn't forget their name. No, they should call it the Sausage Fest. <laughs> I know. Because that's what I, I remember. Doesn't that sound like some kind of a you know what it is sex thing? Yeah, it does to us because we're dirty minded. <laughs> but I know the writers of the show were just trying to think up the most nonsensical, yes, I know, idiotic they, thing they because had silly and there's names. a lot of jokes in this and in the final yes. episode today about the way the kids talked yes. back then. But it's funny because when they were saying Banana Convention, I was mouthing it. 
because I immediately remember, yeah. even though I haven't seen this since. One of the kids does a really cute Ed Sullivan impression. Yes, it's going to be a really, really big, big show, which will be lost on kids today. But they want to know if Greg can can. Oh, gig. but first, I was going to say when Tommy offers the cigarette and Greg says no at first, Tommy says they're just plain. I was a little excited that there was. I felt like a valid reference to marijuana. I think it was. And Greg gives into the peer pressure. Yes, he and does. so he's very badly smoking. I know he's like hacking and hacking. <laughs> and out. who should be seen? Who the and there's Jan and Cindy. Walking by. And so Cindy gets to revive some of her tattletale. She has like a completely recovered tattletale. No, she isn't. She is. But they look over you know, and Greg is like hacking. Like, hacking a there's no doubt he's attempting to smoke a cigarette. But <laughs> but I'm thinking, okay, you have the crazed practical joker and the sociopathic tattletale. What can possibly happen here? Yeah, it does. But also, I want to mention right now that Barry Williams actually wrote in his book that he smoked two packs a day from the time he was twelve. He's lucky he's still alive. Yeah, he quit in 1984, Uh, so he was so he had to act like he wasn't really. So the girls. To their credit, they don't go running to mom and dad. They go running to big sister, Marsha. Yes, and she's very concerned. Yes, and so they tell her what they saw, and Marsha says she's going to have to, she'll take care of it, and she has to think about she it to first. Figure it out. And so she, she, she's learning from her, you know, her, her parents. parents. You can't be up front with something. You just have to, like, you have to figure out the best way to approach it. Right. How can I manipulate the right. situation? Also, this is never mentioned in this show, but I'm still reeling a little from the Tattletale episode, <laughs> and Marsha is conflicted about you know her yes. what she does and if they had used their explanation for why it was okay when they were trying to explain yeah when they were you mean alice is the one that right well we'll, we'll talk about we'll it talk later, about that later. but in any case <laughs> well no one asked alice go ask alice, go ask alice. Oh, and then we have greg singing his sappy See, song it, the most horrible Flowers song and bobby and, and bobby and peter are enthralled yes, and are. i'm like as if they would be and you know what it made me think of you know what it made me think of that scene in animal house i did too <laughs> i think i gave my yes, love a cherry yes. and john belushi comes and, and takes his guitar I thought and exactly it. the same scene <laughs> it's the worst song ever with the worst lyrics ever i think ever. barry williams wrote it well, I'm maybe sorry, he didn't. Barry. Maybe the guy, that or maybe Sherwood Schwartz wrote it. But oh, and, it sounds like something he I, would write, actually. Yeah, yeah. Are you? Yeah. Till I met you, but and it is in my head. You know, next season, our season, we're going to be talking about the Mod Squad. And there's one, one of my favorite episodes is the first episode of season three. And there's a song <laughs> that somebody kind of liked to. And there's a song that was written by people involved with the show that this woman sings, and it's actually beautiful. Oh, okay. But I'm saying maybe they should have gotten that songwriter for the because it's awful. But Bobby and Peter are there with like their chins. They're very excited by it. And Carol is downstairs and she says talent is inherited, which I'm assuming she's joking. Well, I know because I felt like they had a moment there where they forgot that she's not. Unless she was just being. And then Mike brags that it's his side of the family, and then there's all this feed feedback and, and Carol's like yeah definitely your side of the family and I'm like well okay so I'm glad they're not dissing the dead mother of these boys <laughs> yeah. they go up and Bobby's little fingers are caught in the oh, yes. strings and so Greg he needs to talk to Mike privately yes Greg says it's kind of important so after the kids get out of the room Mike goes it sounds like something important well is it <laughs> like almost like he's like I don't know Fuck. giving Greg some you not sh- it's kind of assholeish like he's given and then Greg says he wants to, permission to, to for the gig and Mike so Mike is weird Mike's like uh, and then he goes well Mike are you getting paid for yeah, it which I thought was a weird response well if you're getting paid yeah I mean basically he and, says yes right. which is kind of weird and I wondered what 
what was behind that response and if it was like maybe a weird Bob Reed I don't know. thing or if Is this it was, a real gig you getting paid? Or just like what difference does it make? I also thought that it was at the high school it's at and they said the name of it many, many times as Stephen Decatur yeah. High School. And I didn't look up whether there's a Stephen Decatur High School in Los Angeles. And maybe some of our reader, our listeners can let us know, or I can look it up on the internet. But he was a naval officer and commodore from Maryland after the American Revolution and from, like... Yeah, that could be. They had Walt Whitman died, like, in high 1820. school. Well, Walt Whitman is, like, fa- a famous I know. poet. Well, no, I know. I just thought it was weird that a Los Angeles... I just thought it was weird that this Los Angeles high school would have a... High school that this I didn't know if it was it put it this way I didn't know if it was some kind of inside joke or something oh, with the yeah. writers because he's he was a commander of the navy not during wartime like in the term between the 1700s to the 1800s he died in 1820 and commanded several ships and was from Maryland and obviously not a whole lot was going out in California in that period of American yeah, history except for well at least among us white people. And so you just kind of wonder why high school was named for him. That's or why they kept saying it over and over. I mean, they said Stephen Decatur High School like ten times. Oh, that is kind of weird. The court. Yeah. yeah, it just struck me as weird. But so, anyway, Marsha is acting distracted and she's not hungry, which is always a sign that something something's wrong. wrong. And then she tells Alice that yeah. a friend has yes. an issue. And I'm glad to see that we're bringing back Alice as the listener because. She was evolving into that role, but I, the last few shows, it hasn't really happened. Maybe the writers didn't like the fact that Alice was no longer there for to humiliate and make look foolish. Well, so they, they do to, enough of that. They do some of that. Yeah, later. later. So this is where the description. Oh, it's that you're Alice. Talking about. You're right. Alice says it. She says Marcia says, "Well, I don't know if it's if it's tattling or not." And Alice says, "Well, that depends. If you." tell on him will it hurt she says will it hurt him if you tell her or will it hurt him more if you don't, don't yeah well she doesn't say you she says your friend and marcia says definitely will hurt more if i don't yeah i mean those aren't her exact words yes. but that's and so she says well then it's not squealing and so cindy but could nobody have asked alice when it was cindy it was no, just nobody did so alice actually explains the nuances of the tattling yes, thing and cindy i i thought to myself boy cindy could have really used yes. that advice instead of just being jerked around and vilified yes, she was so no. marcia tells she and feels also, guilty and runs out after she tells and i them. and i just want to point out i know i mentioned earlier that when the shots of the boys bedroom the jackets hanging there on yes, the post is. a lot goes on with that jacket so you know not to spoil anything for those of you who don't know what's going to happen but the jacket but i remember the first time i saw this show when i was about probably six or so when that happens the thing that happens with the jacket i was very upset and confused i didn't i thought greg was lying yes I when did. i first saw it but anyway so so marcia tells like i said she tells carol and mike and then she feels guilty and runs right up. and they and she's probed incessantly about whether she's sure you know and stuff and she says yes and she talks about how bad she feels and they assure her she did the right thing and she's like then why do i feel so bad and then she runs and up. she goes flouncing in a runny kind of way out of the and she doesn't really flounce. they double team greg oh boy do they ever and he does admit that he smoked a cigarette, but he won't do it again. And he's pretty he sure like that it. he won't be able to go to the gig on Friday. But Mike and Carol, uncharacteristically, 
instead of punishing him, feel that he knows what he did was wrong and he's never going to do it again. And he does the old, I didn't inhale, I didn't, you know, I didn't li even like it, and blah, blah, blah. But I don't want to say the names of the kids that lived in our neighborhood, but it was right around this time. Actually, it was early 70s when their father caught them smoking and made them smoke a whole cigar. Do you know that? Yes, the twins. Yes. That's a, that's a 70s was, kind of punishment. And there was debate not only among the adults in the neighborhood but among the kids in the neighborhood over whether that was an appropriate punishment or not. It just, the, I mean, to but me it's But it was the not, talk of the neighborhood. It was the talk And they the would have been... They would have they been, they're Jimmy's like a year age. older than me. Oh, they were. They I were in between you and yeah, our brother Jimmy. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. So I was probably six or so. So they were probably seven or eight. But and, and their thing. dad, their, their dad, if I remember right, smoked cigars. And everybody smoked back then. Our dad smoked. Everybody smoked. The well, mom even smoked once in a while, but not. People think that like somebody was telling me they thought it was everybody someone younger. Everybody had ashtrays in their house. Someone who was a younger, obviously a lot younger than me, I worked with, said something about how mad men about the smoking, and I said it, people did. People when smoke. I started in the everywhere news, too. When everywhere. I started in the newspaper business, and that was in 1983, everybody just smoked in the newsroom. Mm. And when I went to work I for the newspaper, offices and people smoked. Yeah. When I went to work for the newspaper, I worked for New Hampshire. It was an old building. There were piles of old newspapers everywhere, and in the place was a fire trap. And the night editor Harry used to put his cigarette on the edge yeah. of his desk, and the ash. Yeah, we get really long. There yeah. were burn marks on the floors. And when they first decided to have a smoking room and banned smoking from in the, the newsroom and stuff, people were like, and Harry and people were like, nobody's going to get any work done because they're going to have to go take smoke breaks and stuff. And it's amazing, and that was a little over 30 years ago, mm -hmm. or, or, or about, no, that was 30 years ago, and the smoking room came a little later in the early 90s or something. Yeah, it so it's amazing. It's no, amazing. actually the late 80s and at the, at the paper I worked at. So it's amazing how times have changed. Well, I just remember I was a bank teller in 1990, and they told us that, we weren't allowed to smoke at our station, which they did used to let people smoke at their stations. We had to smoke in the break room, but if a customer was smoking, we couldn't tell them not to. And we did have ashtrays out. I mean, that was yeah. in the friggin' There were bank. ashtrays everywhere. You, you, people had ashtrays in their home. Remember, smoked. Mom and Dad had that yeah. one with a little, it was like a little sandbag. Yes, so it was, and it had lighter that went with it. Because yes. people would have fancy lighters that you would yeah, fill with your fuel. lighter. You'd I mean, have an ashtray. And, it was a whole thing. And when I was a chambermaid, those rooms reeked of a smoke you couldn't get the smell of smoke out of the rooms and one of the I mean there were gross things it was my first job I was 15 but cigarette ashes everywhere yeah, yeah. it was not unusual to find burn holes in sheets yep and, and people on the would floor they throw their cigarettes yeah, well, like I in the grocery feel, store yeah I, not to offend any smokers out there but I still feel smokers just think the world's one giant ashtray they're throwing them out their car window and you yeah. know starts a lot of brush fires here in Maine but anyway so you know what though we didn't talk about oh it's coming yes, up it's coming up it's coming up so carol finds religion yes because of this whole incident she said you know mrs johnson's been been asking me to, to join her anti-smoking campaign sanctimonious bitch mrs johnson well she gets better later and so she decides you know what i'm gonna walk the walk so she calls her and mrs johnson our next meeting is postponed because someone has the flu and and carol said well you can have it at my house yeah it's easy to say you can have it at my house when you got alice making I'm a the, maid to clean up the after. cakes and tea and then and alice points out okay but i better not find one dirty ashtray that's <laughs> right <laughs> and then ashtrays were awful to clean too 
They were just gross to clean. I used to clean offices. We I had, used to squirt the cleaner in them and let it sit for a while. We had a little fire at the them. union later because somebody dumped a... <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. After smoking was banned, somebody in the quote-unquote library dumped an ashtray Ooh. into a wastebasket mm-hmm. to so people wouldn't see she was smoking. And you know what? If you're smoking, people know you're smoking. People know and you're smoking. And it caught smoking. on fire Don't melted. yourself. I used to smoke, and I miss smoking all the time. I, but it's gross. It makes you smell. Your hair smells. One of the plot points with the show, and I know they couldn't get everything in, but that jacket... The offending jacket would have smelled like cigarette smoke. It would have. But so anyway, Marsha goes to Greg and confesses oh. that she ratted him out. He's mad at first, but he understands. He understands. And also he's cheerful because he didn't get punished. And he promised he would never smoke, that he's not going to smoke again. He made a big promise to mom and dad. And he, he won't. won't. And yes, when Carol spoke on the phone to Mrs. Josh, there was some drumming in the background. And she's like, Tommy. She's so we know that Tommy's mom. mom. And they, they talk about they the They bond about that. And she says she'll stop by with some brochures. Right. And so then she does. And one of them is that, does this make me look yeah, glamorous? No, I remember that poster from the 70s. So they have actual real anti-smoking yes, materials. And I felt that was their little, and it's quick. Their little Because they were afraid of the advertisers. Then Greg comes home. Hi, Mrs. Johnson, everything. And he throws his coat on a chair that's usually Which, not usually, yeah. He, I've never seen him throw his coat on anything. And, but apparently it's a bad habit he has in this episode. And Carol says, you know, why don't you hang up your coat? And so he goes against his coat. And what happens? Pack of cigarettes falls off. And the camera zooms in. And Mrs. Johnson is very judgy. She's not impressed. It's none of her fucking business. It is. She sticks her nose in. But she, not only does she stick her nose in about the cigarettes, and Greg's like, Mom, it's not mine. But then she criticizes and judges Carol's interaction with Greg. And I give Carol credit that she sticks up for Greg. Yes. And Carol says, well, you know, maybe this isn't the committee for me. Because Mrs. Johnson's like, well, you're in denial. Blah, blah, yeah, blah. yeah, Mrs. Johnson, and that's when I said she's a sanctimonious bitch, and it's none of her business it isn't. how she Carol really interacts with her, her son. She should he... say, I've got to go. This is a family. You yeah. Know. But I took it to mean that she's so passionate about the anti-smoking. Yes. And so they go, Greg insists it's it, not. Well, Greg and Carol, yes, they go sit on the couch, and Greg admits that he wouldn't believe him either. But yeah. And then he goes to talk to Mike in his study, and Mike's like, what do we say in this house? And I always love it when that happens because it's like you've never heard him say it before. You're never here. And it's laid on the table. So they both say it at the same time. And so Greg tells him what happened and everything. Mike believes him too. I'm like, where's the lecture? Where's Greg's never lied to him. Which I I was trying to think if he had. Maybe um, not out and out lied, but they are always playing mind games. Yes. But so now Greg has to try to figure out how those cigarettes got in his jacket. But he thinks it's enemies. And Cindy thinks it could be magic. Well, I love it when Cindy <laughs> says, because he's Greg's in the family room and the three girls are there. And you don't ever see him interact with Cindy that much. But she raises her hand. And yes, he, and, and he's like, yes, Cindy. Like, he actually thinks <laughs> Cindy is going to know. And so Cindy says, maybe it's magic. Yeah. Which and, I say stuff like that all looks the time. Crest, <laughs> just to annoy me. And, uh, and Greg looks crestfallen. Like, he actually thought Cindy was going to solve the problem. And then Peter thinks it's a secret microphone. Yeah, and then, and then yeah, and they're in bed. And Greg, and I remembered this scene, because Greg throws his pillow at Peter, and then Bobby says something silly. So Peter takes the pillow and hits Bobby with it. 
and then Bobby takes the pillow and puts it behind his head, and Greg doesn't have a pillow. Yes, I like And that. then Alice, Greg is in the kitchen musing, and Alice, once again to the rescue. First of all, she says to reconstruct. Well, I was going to say, she tells Greg to reconstruct the scene, and I'm like, doesn't he remember? That was his idea when the locket disappeared. No. You'd think he would remember I that. remember that. So Greg is kind of going through it and walking through his day and can't figure it out and can't figure it out. He has his jacket, which he hasn't hung up, and Alice... It's like, don't forget to hang up your and jacket. And she picks it up and looks, and the lining isn't sewn where he had ripped it, and she had sewn it. So Alice figures it out, but it doesn't matter because the doorbell rings. Yes, quite timing. Alice is like, I don't think this is your jacket. And Greg's like, I'm going to find out who's it is. But he doesn't have to go far. And like, well, first of all, Greg, I know he's supposed to be smart, <laughs> but wouldn't he say, you know, Tommy and I have been wearing the same jacket this whole he's little, episode. He's a little and slow And FYI, the if they have varsity jackets on, it's because they play a fucking sport. I know, which is weird, because Greg says he doesn't play, play basketball. basketball. But he does play baseball, we yeah, know. That's and true. Tommy must play something. So Greg answers the door, and there's Tommy with the, oh, and Tommy's like, oh, you found my jacket. And Greg's like, oh, yeah, there were cigarettes inside. And Tommy's like, oh, man, yeah, don't tell my mom. And Greg said, well, my mom knows about it. And Tommy's like, oh, Jesus, sorry, man. And so Greg, like, grabs him by the arm. Yeah, he doesn't let him leave. Yeah, he He forces him to tell. And he says, Tommy says, my mom's waiting in the car. I gotta go. And Greg's like, no, you're gonna tell my parents. Tommy's like, do I? But then he does step up, and he he tells them. And then Mrs. Johnson just comes in, because that's the way she rolls. And Tommy does tell her. Right, and Mrs. Johnson actually not only says, I owe you an apology, but then actually apologizes. She apologizes to Greg. Yes, because, you know, a lot of people... Yeah. Which is nice because a lot of times people would just say, fuck the teenager and apologize to the parent. Right. And also a lot of people think that saying, I owe you an apology is the same as apologizing and then they get away with not apologizing. And 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 Carol is very forgiving, but it's easy when you're in the position. That's so magnanimous. Because they have to go to the airport to pick up Mr. Johnson. And he'll... And and Tommy's like, can we talk about this before we pick up Dad? And she's like, we're going to be talking about it before we pick up your father and after we pick up your father. And then Mike's like, well, if I were waiting in a crowded airport yeah, trying to yeah. get rid of him, you know. Yeah. And then at the end, Mike and Carol start getting it on on the as couch. Always. As yeah, always. Yeah, they're going to fuck on the couch while the kids are in the other room. Hey, why not? Good for them. I thought that was a... That was one you... I think a lot I of think people everybody remember. remembers it. The next one is... I'm just so looking forward. We could just do a whole show on this. Season 2, episode 15. Will the real Jan Brady please stand up? Whoa. And I have titled this, my first thing I wrote, the most cringeworthy episode. It is. Of all. I think of all. It is. And I have a lot of issues Even with the message. Even worse than the George Glass episode. Yes. I almost sometimes wonder if the writers are just fucking with this poor kid. Poor Eve Plum. <laughs> because this... She, she is like crazed all the time. Yes. If that show was made 30 years later, Jan would be treated completely differently. And I know one of the later, and I'm not even sure because I never watched it, but they did like a, a, a parody Brady Bunch thing years later. Oh, they did the movie. But the yes. problem is you can't make this stuff parody because... 
everybody paradizes it. I don't think that's a real word themselves. Yeah. You know? So if you're acknowledging, if yes. you're doing it by acknowledging it, then it's not funny. It's, I didn't think the movies. I saw one of yeah, them. Yeah, I never I, saw I any of them. So Jan gets an invitation, and yet the outside addressed to Marsha. Marsha. And so I have to say, this is not the episode where she says Marsha, Marsha, no, Marsha. She but for a minute, I'm like, oh, I wonder if this is the episode where she I says Marsha, Marsha. Trying to remember. And what I talk about, and maybe we can when that episode comes up, I'll read the passage. But Maureen McCormick's book, she says, you know, there was only one episode. Yes. I think a couple of the books say that where Jan said that, but people think it happened all the time. Yeah. And nobody knew it would become a catchphrase, and yet <laughs> you can't hear the name Marsha. Yeah, like, even like during the O.J. Simpson trial. I know. Marcia. Poor everybody. Everybody. Every woman that's... So, Marsha's at the table, and Jan sits down. They're having cookies and milk. And Marsha's like, this came for you. For you. And, and Jan's like, why is it open? Yeah. And Marsha's like, it was addressed to me. And she called the girls to Lucy Winter's party. Lucy Winter. And Marsha called her to find out, and Lucy had just accidentally wrote Marsha. And so, of course, of course, Marsha's first in everyone's mind. Yes. And so, of course, Jan, Jan starts getting a little fizzed out about that. When she's talking about it to her mom, it's because I'm a middle child but it's not because she's the middle child it's because she's crazy well like Carol just poo poos her concerns you're the one you, who was invited to the party not yeah Marcia. not her but Jan is determined well she's looking at a magazine and there's an ad with all these like blonde women and then a brunette in the middle of them and it has this headline which Who's one stands out in the crowd and she gets a and she crazy goes, gleam and in she her goes eye. oh they'll know <laughs> Jan Brady and all I can think of is leg well, close I will not be ignored I was her thinking of you will not ignore shooters and so mike is in his office and i could be wrong but this may be one of the first appearances of peter in mike's den maybe you know people are forbidden to go in there but yes and mike doesn't seem too happy that peter's in there no he doesn't because peter and here's a reason mike doesn't want kids in his den (laughs) because peter's looking at what mike's doing and going and and whistling and whistling because mike says i'm in the middle of doing something so peter's waiting for mike to finish so peter's whistling he's so cute and uh peter he needs a loan because he gave jan all his money that he had which he charged her 20 percent four dollars and 49 cents and i looked that up and today that would be worth about 28 dollars wow that's a lot of money and he charged her 20 percent interest so it's the second episode in a row they talk about high interest on money we didn't really talk about the list but it's like somebody who's writing these shows has a lot of interest in people who charge high interest it turns out peter's going to the party Party too too, and here's a same age group right but here's a a confusing thing later in the show a couple references are made to like peter had promised to take his sister to the party and i like remember like well i think he just meant to go with her like she yes she can go but but i'm like oh did i miss something no No. i think they just implied because they were both invited he was so so peter wants to borrow money from mike (laughs) because he gave jan all his and mike assumes it because it's jan's gonna buy a present for lucy and peter wants to buy a present for lucy and mike says well how much do you need Peter's like 49 cents because you know she didn't spend much on me on my birthday and I don't want to embarrass her by getting her something too nice. And Mike, I would think Mike if I were Mike I'd say look I'm giving you a dollar at least. Yeah at least get her. You know he could have lectured. He, I know Mike is just not lecturing. No after he's his just lecturing. like But the stories it. are good enough without him. So Jan is in a store. And Marsha Wallace is the clerk. Marsha Wallace who played Carol. Carol. 
on the Bob Newhart Show. The first one, not the one in Vermont with Larry Daryl Daryl for you younger people, but the classic one in Chicago where he's, where a, he's, a, where he's a psychologist. And she was Carol the receptionist. And I remember that scene very well because when I was little, I remember her saying to Jan that your own hair is very pretty. Why would you want a wig? And I remember thinking that myself. Why is she? Uh, well, because she wants to look I different. I know, she wants to look different. And it reminded me a little of the All in the Family where Gloria had oh, the she brunette had that wig brunette and Mike kept, kept making her wear it so she could have sex. Because yeah. he wanted to have sex with her with the wig on. And so she was like, you're cheating on I mean, me with the wig. Although yeah. we're not doing that show. So Jan buys this ugly, very mature looking to me. It's like an afro. It's Well, no, it's, it's more like a shag. Curly shag. Kind of Suzanne Pochette look. Right. For the, those, speaking of Bob Newhart. Right. For yeah. those of you who don't know what a shag was, it was almost like a modified hipper mullet. Yeah, it was where, kind of a mullet. Where it's a little longer in the back, a little shorter in front. It had usually like little curly tendrils, hue, yeah. tendrils, sideburn things. So Jan rushes at home. And puts it on in the bathroom. And, and puts it on in the bathroom. At her. And it's crazy. And she still has blonde hair sticking <laughs> out. Marcia and Cindy want to get in, into the bathroom. To look for Cindy's hair ribbons. Yes. And the, so Jan holds them out of the door and they get... They and they get, grab her and pull her out. Yeah, true sibling yes, style. Pull they want to see what's going on. And she's got the wig on. It is nice. I will say it's nice that the kids, especially the girls versus girls and boys versus boys, are kind of abusive to each other like real kids. Yes. Yeah, and they and they both... And Marsha tells her it looks horrible. She's and, honest. Which, which just cements Jan's resolve. Yes. And they try to talk her, Cindy and Marsha... Saying and you don't, you're not going to really wear that to the party. And we're actually seeing a more mature. Yeah, Cindy's Cindy, acting a little more she mature. She gets to say actual sentences that make sense, but Jan is determined. She's, it did not, she is fucking nuts. And, you're and, just jealous because I look so good. Like when she's looking at herself in the mirror with it. Uh, and then Carol and Alice are in the kitchen shortening a dress, and they but want before that. Oh, Greg and Bobby discuss the fact that Margie Whipple will be at the party and how funny it is because she has the hots for Peter. And Bobby's like, we better warn him. And Greg's like, no, that's yeah, not, not warn him. Because won't it be funny that poor Pete will go to this party and, and this be girl sexually harassed. will harass him? Anyways. So, meanwhile... Carol and Alice want Jan to come downstairs and try the dress on, or actually just hold the dress up to her, which is not a good way to tell because it no. looks wicked short. But well, all their dresses were super. And short. Jan's like, right now, and I don't know why she just can't take the wig off. I know she's like. So she ends up putting a towel around her hair, and Mike actually comes into the bathroom. Like she has a towel around her hair already. Oh, that's. But right. he's like, your mother and Alice want you to come downstairs. I know he does come in the bathroom. Yeah, and it's like, weird. Dad, jeez. So she's fully dressed, but has a towel around her hair. Yes. It was a large towel around her hair. Goes downstairs, and I'm like, oh my god, are they gonna, like put the dress on her. That used to, yeah, I, this this made me very... It made, the whole thing made me nervous as a kid. Yes. Very much more... Not as not, nervous uh, now as no. an adult, but when I was a kid, they're like, oh, didn't you just wash your hair yesterday? And she's like, oh, but I, yeah, I had to wash it again or some stupid thing. And so they're holding the dress out to where it's fine and Mike is there doing his thing and the boy, Greg and Bobby come in and they're like, are you a swami? And then they start making all these jokes. Making all these jokes. And she's like, leave me alone. Ah, leave me alone. Because she, this girl just gets brutalized. I know. And Bobby, Bobby said, maybe her secrets are under, under her, her under her, her towel. And yeah. he pulls it off. And ah! And she has the wig on. And, and the boys start laughing. <laughs> Uproarious. And very fake. I thought they were acting Mike on Mike comes in. Jan is upset. 
and uh, is crying. Her acting at that moment I thought was pretty natural. And then so Carol might decide it's because she wants to wear it to the party because, you know, she feels like whatever her problem is. And so Carol gives her this lecture, tells her that it's it's what's inside that counts. And I'm like, since when? Because didn't, and stick with me here for a second, didn't they make Marsha pretend she liked insects to get Harvey Klinger to like her? Mm-hmm. They dialed Jan up and had her parade in front of Clark Tyson because mm-hmm. what was inside wasn't good enough and it was more important to have Clark Tyson like her. So that rang very false to me and then later with Margie Whipple and stuff it comes around again. It's just very annoying. So Carol and Mike, they say fine. First she really of all, to. she really wants to. She's sick of looking like everyone else. But Carol says it's okay and then says as long as it's okay with yes, your father. Yes. And I'm like, why does, it, why does he have to be the arbiter of no this? No shit. You know, and and they're like, okay, okay, and they're kind of like, just kind of. Huh. And I can't believe and Jan they don't looks know. Crazy. She look, but I can't believe they don't know on some level that she's going to be humiliated because she looks ridiculous. Well, I think they do know that, and they they didn't say it this time, but I think they realize. Well, maybe somebody. Much should. like with Greg with his pitching thing, they're more bemused yeah, they than concerned. They are. They don't seem concerned you know, at all. I'd be like, the next scene is in the boys' bedroom, and Bobby's still giggling about. Bobby is not a good guy to have on your team. No. Especially he's when you're not on a good when he's trying to keep a secret. No. As with the, especially when they're going to fuck somebody over. Yes, because like with the we saw in the slumber party, he was doing the same thing. He was giggling because that's when Greg called him a dumb dodo, and yeah, Hannah remembers that. Because yeah. now she likes to call people that. I like them for her. So they spill the beans about Margie Whipple, and so Pete decides he's too. He's going to pretend he's sick, so he won't have to go to the party, and. This is great for Mike and Carol. Oh, they love it because they're because like, they, oh, let's call the doctor. You're obviously sick. And, right. Instead of calling Pete on his shit, if he's sick, then he can't play ball tomorrow no, either. No, no, no. And I wrote, don't screw with the screwers. And it's mentioned that one of the reasons they want him to go to the party is because he has to take his sister. Yeah. And I don't know if she's too young to go by herself. No, I don't think it's that. I think it's just that they don't want her to go. Well, Maybe she doesn't want to go to a party alone. Yeah. Right? I don't know. They really haven't said that. But And I remember when I was a kid watching this, I must have missed part of the Margie Whipple point because my feeling about this episode ever since it came on until I was disabused of it watching it again just now, or not just now, but this time, is that I thought Pete didn't want to go because Jan looks so ridiculous in the wig. No. But he, he doesn't, he doesn't seem care, to care about he the wig. He goes right along with that. Yeah, because he's a nice He's sensitive. the only one that doesn't make fun, really he have anything to because say about that's, it. And that's why I he's love him. He's a nice boy. Yeah. And, but well, it's funny, I want to say on the trickery, though, Carol starts the trickery. Yes, and it takes does. a second for Mike to catch Mike her signal. Yeah, though. it takes him, because she's like, oh, then we're going to have to call the doctor. And Mike's kind of like, looks a little befuddled. So now the, the student has yes, surpassed the master. She is. They go to the party. Jan hides to the side. And because she wants Peter to make to a big announcement. And he's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he just goes, okay. He doesn't say, Jan, I think you're making a mistake. He's just like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Good old Pete. And Lucy, Lucy And who's right behind her but Margie Whipple, oh, yeah. who's gawky. No, because Lucy tells her. She says, oh, hey, Margie, Margie Pete, Margie Peter's Peter. here. Yeah. And of course, she's gawky. She's taller than and him. And has buck teeth she has buck teeth and very thick, mm-hmm. unattractive, non-fashionable glasses. And so apparently it's not inside 
what counts with Margie Whipple either. That's true. Why didn't they make her real pretty? She's and, like, oh, he, yeah. And yeah. still, he didn't like her. Yeah. That would be a better one. But, of course, she has to be and unattractive. she's pawing him. And do you want to say anything about who plays Lucy? Or Oh, Lucy is played by Pamela Ferdin, who was in Every a million things. She show. played, I didn't realize this till I looked her up, because obviously she's familiar. She played Oscar's daughter. Yes, but her first thing was, she was the voice of Lucy Van Pelt on the, one of the first Peanuts cartoons. Uh, yeah, she played Oscar, uh, Felix Unger's daughter on The Odd Couple. She was in a, um, I'm pretty sure it was her, I should look it up, uh, an adaptation of A Tree Grows in Brooklyn yes, in the she 70s. Was. If you're our age, you immediately recognize her. You would her. immediately recognize her. She's in so she many things. Just if you look on up on IMDb, you'd be like, yeah. And also, right now, I looked her up to see if she could... She didn't really act much after that. Maybe a little bit. She was in something in 2009, so she does still do it. But shes I guess she's a hardcore animal activist. And I saw a video of her on YouTube, and her voice is... Ex- and her oh, way of talking funny. exactly the same. She was in that Star Trek, too, wasn't she? Yes. Yes, the one yes. with the weird kids and yes, stuff. Yes, because she has a very... Her voice is... is, is uh, very distinctive, her the, way of talking. And it's kind of very confident, yes. too. It's not a little yes. girl voice or anything. It's also an adult That was voice. funny because I'm like, oh, I gotta look her up because she is... And she always played people with a personality yeah, like a yeah. forceful kind of... So they, so so, they all so start Pete announced, Right, Pete announces, oh yeah, yeah my sister Jan the Brady. New Jan the Brady. new Jan Brady. And she comes out from behind the bushes. And she's, and all, she's like, all like... And I want to say when they're walking up to the party before, Pete's a little nervous nervous because of Marcy. Margie Whipple. Margie, I mean, I don't know why I call her Marcy. And uh, Jan's all like, this. Yeah, she's, she's all wired. She like, is buzzing. Yeah, she is wired. Yeah. And they immediately, they're, they're shocked silence for a second, and then they start laughing. Because they think she's playing a joke. Right. And I can remember as a kid wondering if, and this wouldn't have been the words I would use, but if Lucy made a pivot and was trying to save face for Jam by thinking it was a joke, but it, that was too deep thinking. Yeah. They think she's playing a joke, and they laugh. And, of course, Jan... Is is devastated. She starts crying. And Pete looks upset and crestfallen. Yeah, so after Jan leaves, he's like, she wasn't joking. Yes. Ooh. And, you know, nobody does sensitive. He was very, that was like very sensitive. Him, like a true brother. I, Empathetic. I know they tried like hell on the show to have boys be boys. And another thing, and it's in a later episode, I made the note of it, but I'm going to say it now. You know, Mike's always calling them son and men and stuff. You never hear girls called daughter and or women. women. Unless they're being ironic or right. when and they so call the, themselves they a woman, to, you know. Build guys up, and it happens in real life. Like when guys call their sons "my little man" and mm-hmm. "the little man," which I bugs the hell out of me. But despite their attempts to put the guys in this macho little box, Pete's sensitivity is always there for the. Yes, he is. He's always. And he cares very much that his sister was upset. He was. He, he tells them. And then... And so Jan comes... Well, meanwhile, Mike and Carol are getting it on on the getting couch. Getting it on on the couch. And who comes in but Jan with the wig off and her hair pinned up. And to her credit, she's calmed down a little bit. She's kind of like, oh, hi. And then she tells them... Then what happened? They seem kind of glad that she learned her lesson. Yes. They don't say it. They don't I, say I, it, Mike, but they have these smug Mike looks. Mike was like, very glad yeah. that Jan learned they her lesson. They had these lesson. looks on their faces. Yes. Like, yeah. And I'll say one thing about Jan, just like the practical joke 
So all you need to do is slap her down and she learns her lesson because she doesn't realize in her crazed state that what she's doing is ridiculous. No, she doesn't. And then when reality hits, she's like, holy shit. Yeah. You know, like many crazy people. Yes. And I know we're not supposed to say crazy anymore, well, but like many unbalanced... Hey, I'll say about myself, I've I've had... Oh, it happens to me all I've the time. I've had problems with depression my whole life and I have acted very irrationally many times and it, and then in retrospect, I'm like, oh, the well, fuck? I'll, well, then I'll say, since we're talking about Ooh, it... it's I, true confession yes, I, time. I have ADHD and it is a real thing people but one of the things is impulse control and people who don't understand and i'm wondering but jan's way more over the top for that <laughs> but uh, one issue with impulse control things is you don't do things that you know you shouldn't do you don't you actually think it. sometimes yeah. and you think, you think is this a good, a good idea, idea? Yeah. so it seems like a good idea yeah. at the time yeah. and then it's like holy fuck that was a bad idea yeah and i think that jan has a little it happens bit of that. with people who are who are uh all sorts of bipolar too. disorders and, so anyways um, peter lucy and Margie, come to the door. Yes, and Margie is all over Peter like a cat on a pork chop. Yes. And they come to apologize. Margie doesn't say much. She's just acting like an idiot. Yeah, well, Um, she she only has eyes through those giant Coke bottle glasses for Pete. And Lucy does apologize and says that because everyone envies her beautiful hair, which she does have beautiful hair, and the Schwartzes and Barry Williams both mention how in real life Eve Plum's mother was always right off set with a hairbrush and was brushing every chance she got would run up to the set and brush Eve's hair. Mm. Although in this scene it's messy. I'm sure her mother was mm, very you know, upset. But Lucy says, you have such beautiful hair. I thought the only way you could be wearing that wig would be a joke. And right, and so then Carol points out that your friends like you just the way you are, her Bridget Jones moment, but yet they don't really like her just the way she is because what's inside the account, so her hair shouldn't matter. That's true. But in any case, you have to go back to the superficial. And meanwhile, totally putting a lie to all this is the whole Margie situation. I'm sorry I'm focused on that, but there's nothing worse than being the gawky, unpopular kid that nobody wants to be around. I know, and why why couldn't they have made her cute? That's what I'm saying. Because it's men. I know. It took took two men to write this. Who wants an ugly woman after you? Yeah, right, because it's not what's inside that counts. And it's funny because that little underlying subplot completely contradicts the plot. And it really annoyed the shit out of me if I were critiquing this like if somebody had written a self-published book on this because I'm a self-judge or was I'm not going to do it ever again I would say your subplot contradicts your plot so if you're trying to make a point by doing that you need to make your point better yes but otherwise it just looks like you don't really believe the message you're trying to send and you're sexist (laughs) and women's looks do count for much of everything and the fact that the big focus is not and i know they had to say something about why they were laughing about the wig but I get nothing out of they like her just the way they are. They like their hair, her hair just the way yes, it is, basically. If they liked her just the way she was, they could have said, Chan, you are one crazy psycho bitch, and if you feel better wearing a black yeah, come on shag in wig, with the wig, come on in with the wig. I mean, look at nowadays. I mean, and then there's a change your hair color constantly. There's a cute, uncute little thing oh, where thing Pete doesn't want to go back to the party, and oh. they, well, I guess you don't want to play ball tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Margie's yeah. like, come on, Pete and kind of drags him out of the house and Carol and Isn't Mike that look funny. on. Let's yeah. go get it on now. Yeah. Then the tag is Alice is trying on the wig. 
because she thinks she looks good in it. Jane gave it to her. But nothing is going to make poor Alice look better. And then Mike and Carol come in and they're kind of like, eh. Yeah, and they don't want to tell her. And I guess it's not what's inside that counts with Alice either. Yeah, well, you know. But she is only the housekeeper. And, you know, so there has to be some little joke about her looks. Yes. Once again, contradicting what's supposed to be the heartwarming message of the show. But I feel like the real, maybe I'm just cynical, but I feel like the real thing wasn't to give a heartwarming message, but was just to fuck around with Eve well, Plum yeah. and Jan and make, make her, her be crazy. psycho and crazy. She's well, maybe it's thing. like maybe it's like there's not a lot we can do with her acting. I'm sorry, but there's not a lot we can do with her acting. But boy, does she come across as psycho <laughs> and crazy. So let's just because a different actor it would it would have just been someone was more subtle about their right. acting, like Barry Williams. And you know what? I bet a lot of people, if you asked people our age now, which episode did Jan say Marsha, Marsha, Marsha in? I bet this is one of the ones they would yes, pick. Yes, I would have thought it. Yeah, I would have thought it too. Yeah, but she doesn't. And so this is, we're coming up to one of my favorite Pete episodes. The Drummer Boy. Yeah, yeah I like which, this one. The Drummer Boy isn't actually about Pete. Because that's Bobby's subplot. Which is weird that they named it It's kind it of that. a one-note subplot. But one thing I want to say before we start talking about it, the irony of this episode is that everybody in their book, I don't know if Barry Williams does in his. Cause yes, he does, I believe. Everybody in their books has to talk about how poor Chris Knight could not carry a tune. Yes, he could When sing. Later when they start singing more and stuff, they would have him mouth the words. They would, he had such a, he was so toned up, he had trouble saying his lines right sometimes, Mm -hmm. but he could not sing. And I think in the, when you listen to the theme song for season two and you hear that froggy voice, I think that's him. But it's funny that he's in the Glee Club and is talking about singing. Well, Mike Lickenland actually apparently had a very good natural singing voice, even though he wasn't a trained singer. And he's the one in this episode who can't sing. Poor little Bob. But it's all because of the plot. And so Pete, Jan, and Cindy all come running into the house all excited because they were all picked for the Glee Club. Yes. And telling Carol, and poor little Bobby. Comes along. And it's that music. And then Peter and Jan are super mean. Well, it's funny. No, they're mean. All mean to Bobby. But Mike says... That's enough, Jan. And doesn't ah. say anything to Peter or Cindy. They all take turns making fun of Bobby. Yeah. Peter says he can't carry a tune with a handle or something. Oh, yeah. And, then, yeah. and I can't remember what Jan says. It's kind of not a great joke. Yeah. And Bobby's just looking so sad. Aww. And Mike goes, that's enough, Jan. <laughs> And she and Jan's like, Ugh. and I'm like, what? Well, one more brick in the wall. I there, know, one more, one that that that's another three years with a therapist that girl's gonna have to spend. Carol's trying to make him eat to cheer him up, and he so she says, I think you have a beautiful voice, so he sings really badly. Yeah, yeah. And, and they always keep singing that one song. About yeah, you take oh, boy. Every time Mike comes home, some kid is miserable. I know that he has to deal. And with. Mike and Carol have to go check on him because he's moping up in his room. Yeah, poor little Bobby. And they tell him he should play a musical instrument. Mm, yes. Any instrument he wants, which is a very, very, very bad, bad thing. Move. Yeah. And the other point is, but apparently just like with trying to fix Cindy's list, their approach to a child playing an instrument is you just give them the instrument and then let them wail away yeah. instead of having lessons and stuff. Well, I, I was assuming the lessons would be at school. And Possibly. he has to practice at home, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's, Nobody ever says anything. But maybe the, if he was because really... Because the music teacher is the one that 
that gave him the instrument. So. But nobody ever talks about, hey, let's get him a music tutor to help yeah. him learn. And also with drums, because, spoiler here, he ends up bringing home an entire drum set. The people I've known who have played the drums, except for our brother Billy, so maybe this isn't as unrealistic, because I think he had these pads, these like soft pads that stood in for the drums. And lots of times when they practiced at home or were learning how to play, you just hit these soft, like, soft vinyl, yes. like almost seat cushion type yes. pads rather than the drums. So you could learn how to do it without banging away yes. on the drums. But that wouldn't have been a very No, it wouldn't have been very. So meantime, Peter is bragging to, is it just Greg or, oh, Greg and Bobby. Peter brags that Deacon Jones is going to be at his practice because yeah, his coach went to high school with him, even though Deacon they don't look Jones, the same age to me. Deacon Jones was, yeah, the coach is a little weird. He almost looks like Mr. Dittmeyer. Oh, yes, yes, he does, he does but I've seen on. him, and he's been in before. He's but, been on before. Yes, I think he's just one of those stand, and he has lines this time. But Deacon Jones, for those of you who don't know, is a very, very popular ball player with for the Los Angeles Los Rams. Los Angeles Rams, yes. And, and it's so 70s. Nowadays, kids have uniforms. Yes, and they have, like, the shirts on. They've right, got they're the sh shoulder pads the shoulder and helmets pads. with sweatshirts and stuff. You know, when I played JV softball in high school, we wore field hockey vests from the 50s and this was the JV team. The varsity team had real uniforms. Field hockey vests from the 50s that the field hockey team no longer used and then just wore jeans and stuff and wore blouses. I remember I had this white collared balloon sleeve polyester yeah. blouse that I used to wear under it was a wool v-neck vest and, yeah. Yeah. and jeans. Yeah. Then it shows Deacon Jones talking to the team and you can't tell who the kids are. They have helmets on. But then he has to leave to go practice with the Rams and Pete comes running up and he's like, oh, I'm sorry I'm late. I was at Glee Club. Oh, he doesn't say that to Deacon Jones. Deacon Jones is leaving and the coach introduces him. And, and Deacon tells him he has a great grip. And, and I'm like, uh -oh. And I'm like, it's a good thing he's not Craig or all of a sudden he'd think he'd be playing for the Rams. Yeah. And also Deacon says a similar thing to one of the kids. Yeah. Oh, the Rams better watch out for you. Ha ha yeah, ha. Yeah. But we know by now that when professional ball players say that to the kids, they're just blowing smoke. Yeah. They don't really think the kids are any good. So then Pete goes over to the guys and says, sorry, you know, I'm late. And oh, you should have been here. Deacon Jones was so great. And he goes, and Pete goes, yeah, Glee Club la lasted longer than I thought it would. Totally wrong thing to say to the macho little yes. football players. In the meantime, while this is going on, Carol comes home with Bobby, and he's picked drums. And she said she he had the right qualifications. Which was a mother with a station wagon. Yeah. And so he's practicing the drums. So this is later in that afternoon when Bobby's practicing. They can't practice. I thought it was funny. Um, They're trying to practice. They're singing that song. And Peter's like, you can hear him all the way in Lacamora. Yeah. And then they, I wish he was in Lacamora. Actually, it, it Lacamon. Well, whatever he says. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, Bob. Carol tells them they have to be nice because poor Bobby's so sensitive. So everyone apparently has to just put up with this fucking Non-stop drum playing all the time. And, and it's in the family room. Feelings. So you can't go and watch TV or anything because it's in the family and then, room. And then they show them the next day at practice. And this is when they start making fun of his singing. Call him a sissy. And Peter's sad. Yeah, the kids really, the kids really pile it on him. And oh wait, this is still that day. I'm sorry, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, and he's a practice, so they're just giving him all sorts of shit and calling him canary, sing like a canary. And we're switching back and forth between the two yes. things. When Peter comes home, he tells Mike and Carol he wants to quit the Glee Club. 
because of the boys on the team. And Mike tells Peter to ignore them, and and then he says, "Well, just wait till tomorrow. Yeah, or sleep on it, or wait." And um, and the, and Mike does his thing, which he's been doing a lot lately. Well, what do you want to do? I know, you know, which is his big line. In the meantime, they've decided that maybe Bobby should be out in the garage, which. They think it's such a great idea. I don't know why they don't think of the Dittmeyers right. and the Listings, because, the neighbors. Because Greg and Marcia have to go to the library to study. And it's interesting that they have to ask permission instead of just saying, hey, we're going to go to the library to study. They have to ask permission if they can go to the library. Oh, and then Jan and Cindy are going to go to the neighbors to sing, to practice. Oh, because they're trying to practice. And, they and can. Carol's like, to Pete, aren't you going to go? And he goes, no, I think I'm going to quit the Glee Club. So Carol's like, when she's talking to Mike later, is like, well, Pete's even going to quit the Glee Club. Because of Bobby's yes. drawing. And it's funny, she hands Mike a hot cup of coffee, and, he, and she's careful it's hot, and he goes, oh, ooh, that is hot. And I kind of thought that was a Bob Reed <laughs> thing. Like, somebody wouldn't say, careful it's hot, and then him just take the yes, cup. That's so. true. Mike is upset about the drumming, though. That's what the finally gets them... It's bothering Mike. He doesn't care if it's And then they're on the next day at the practice. Deacon has some sweet 70s pants on. Uh, yeah, Deacon's looking pretty he good nice. He's a big fella. The boys start making fun of Peter singing in front of Deacon. And, and all the, the coach, coach, he just like chuckles. Yeah, the coach, well, you know, hazing and Deacon. But then Deacon. And Deacon gets to lecture. Yes, And Deacon he lectures about the lecture. how you can sing and be a macho. And macho he talks about, athlete. Like, Rosie, I said the same thing. Rosie Greer. Well, Rosie you know. Greer sings and I remember from that uh, it's all right to cry right from free to be you free and me be, yes. and I just felt the whole time uh, it almost felt to me like a discussion and I'm I'm no I'm wrong about this but about homosexuality I don't <laughs> think it was no I don't think so either uh, but they really just oh he's a sissy who wants to yeah. play football with a sissy and they said you Rosie can't Drew's sing not a sissy. right you can't sing and play football which is silly I don't see why you couldn't do both right because because singing's for girls right you know just a lot of that they wouldn't say that to Elvis that's true so Mike and Carol cannot take they just can't take listening to the drums anymore. So they are going to tell Bobby he's back in the family room because the neighbors are like, no. Right, yeah, because they get a call from a neighbor and, and Mike's like, well, you're just one crane. And then Duh. the phone rings again. And, and you know what it reminds me of? Billy, my, our brother yes, Billy, Billy played, played, played the drum. And he had them in his the room that had been his bedroom, which was kind of a back room of the house after you were in college. Well, he fucking played those things while I was there. Um, these people that lived behind us, kind of behind and over. And we Joan, won't say their name. Oh, oh. Yeah, maybe we will. We used to call them Joan and the Newts. Right, well, and she came over and bitched once when my college boyfriend and I were sitting in the backyard having beer. She came over and asked us if we were uh, allowed to be drinking. Oh, God. Well, she was one of those, ma- I call them the main ladies that are kind of masculine, but they're not, I don't think she was, I don't know what her and sexuality was. Flannel. But, like, she always had a walking stick. They're kind of outdoorsy. Yeah, outdoorsy. Country, and main, Julia no Child always kind of reminded me of that. Although like, she's she should have been. She should have been a Maine woman. Yeah, rugged, frontier women. Yeah, kind of frontier women. Kind of, like we have a Maine. Yeah, and that's what Joan was. One summer, Jimmy and Liz painted the house, and I remember oh, Jimmy did. dumped a bucket of paint. Ah, oh, I don't remember that. For them, they got two grand, I think. Jesus. Well, they were in college at the time, so oh, okay. it helped, you know. Well, anyway, so that's what it reminded me of. But Joan coming over and Joan, complaining. Yeah. yeah, nosy neighbors. So Bobby, they go to say, okay, they're gonna tell him. 
he's going to have to find another instrument. And he tells them that he really doesn't want to play the drums. He's very reluctant to tell them because he thinks they want him to. And then instead of them just saying, you know, Bobby, to tell you the truth, we're glad you don't, they have to do a little mind gamery and give him some mixed messages that are going to fuck him up for the rest of his life. But some kid named George wants the drums and gave Bobby his instrument, which is a bugle. And Carol also tells Bobby... You shouldn't pretend to enjoy things just to please other people. And I'm probably saying that's what women do all the time. Yeah, so they're telling the girls that Harvey Klinger, insects. Yes, I was thinking more on the lines of uh, faking orgasm. Yeah, well, maybe (laughs) later they'll have that episode. But yeah, so so Bobby is told you shouldn't pretend to enjoy things just to please other people. I'm like, that is a direct contradiction to the entire Harvey Klinger episode. It is. But then Bobby's a boy, boy. and Mike has to do his, and he's said this several episodes in a row to different people. It's what you want. And that's important. You have to think about what you want. And it's like, oh, okay, so they have free will now. Interesting. And he, there's a funny... But there's like two different supposedly tracks. funny scene where he's trying to play Reveille in the morning. And Mike gets to stop that. And then the tag is Mike bringing Bobby a baton. But you know, the minute Bobby takes it out of the box, something's going to break within seconds. Yeah. And it does. Ah, and that's how the At show... At least it's not Mom's favorite bass. Yeah, it's weird that the show... And I'm wondering if the script changed at some point or something, because the show's more about Pete and the conflict with the Glee Club. Yes. But there's so much attention to this Bobby plot. That's weird. And the Bobby plot's kind of like a one-note plot, that yeah. he's playing the drums and driving everybody crazy, yeah. and the Pete's plot is deeper, and yet it ends with the tag and everything, It's and the name of it, the drummer boy. Yeah. The next one is... Coming out party, but it's not what you think. Because this is 1971, not... Not now. Of the six we talked about today, this is the least engaging, yeah. interesting, and it's, it's most annoying to me. And it's also an adult-centric one. Yes, it is. And y'all know now what I think of those, so we don't have to say because it starts out with Mike at work, Mr. Phillips, who he always who, calls who, Mr. Phillips. Does he even have a first name? I don't know. You know, because that I mean, like if you, you know, I know I worked for in the newspaper industry, but you never fucking called anybody Mr. I always call my bosses, but. And also, if you're talking about him at home, you're not going to say Mr. Phillips. You're going to say, you know, Fred Phillips wants Well, they, to, Alice has to call the Bradys Mr. and Mrs. Brady. True. And when Mrs. Brady refers to themselves to Alice, she refers to Mr. Brady as coming home. She doesn't say Mike. That's true. Which is weird. So he, on his big boat, he says it's big. He tells Mike it's big enough and he wants Alice to come too because he loves her food. A thing that bugs me about that is Alice doesn't want to go. She doesn't want to be on boat. She to gets get seasick. seasick and and everyone keeps telling her. her it's in her mind and it's not. Seasickness is a real thing. Right. And also, you know, and I feel like, and nobody stresses this, despite the fact she doesn't want to go for whatever her reason, she doesn't like being on boats. And frankly, I can identify with that. I don't like being on boats. I don't, I don't want to like go it. on boats. Oh, no. I had a. I'm Horrible experience on Lake Champlain when I was in college with my college boyfriend that involved a broken keel, a windy day, too much beer, and me being unable to pee. That if I liked boats before, which I really didn't, I'm not a big boat fan. Last time I was on one, I got really sick. But it does give them the opportunity a little later in this episode to To make make a a fool fool out of Alice. So, Mike, so. By the way, according to Erica Wilkes' Bradypedia, Mr. Phillips' name is either Ed or Harry. 
Huh. It changes in episode 47, which we haven't gotten to yet. His name changes from Ed to Harry R. Phillips. Then in episode 113, it goes back to Ed. Oh, maybe it is Ed in this, because it says he invites the whole Brady family to go deep-sea fishing with him and his wife. He also threatens to fire Mike a few episodes later because his family is protesting against his firm building a new courthouse. Yes, I can't wait I to get to that. that and um, he's both benevolent and stern he's according kind to of an ass. he is kind of an ass I don't so mike is lecturing everybody about this trip and says they better all stay healthy yeah and oh, what, happens. what happens and when cindy sneezes just like no one hears sniffles. her though no no one hears her right. sneeze this time because she's walking away and she, she sneezes she sneezes and it's like oh no because people don't fucking sneeze although we know whenever cindy sneezes or got the sick. sniffles it's the little iceberg that the titanic's gonna yes. sink in and there's and a new they, doctor oh yeah what happened to marion ross i know and, and this guy is kind of he's um, kind of an ass he's it's very an autocratic but before that there's a scene of alice in the backyard with yeah. the boy it's a typical board with rocking chairs they're trying to get her used right. to the ocean rocking and of course she's wearing you know whatever and it's a typical let's humiliate alice maybe it's because amby davis was good at physical comedy yeah i guess so in maureen mccormick's book being probably all the others it says she was game not only was she a good yeah. actress but whatever they wanted her to do she would do she it. would fucking yeah, do she and she and florence henderson actually and i always watched the shows with this in mind would take on lines that Robert Reed wouldn't do. do. And it's I, funny he wouldn't do them, but he didn't have a problem with them being in the show. Well, but. maybe he did, but they said, okay, we're not taking out of the script, but somebody else will just say it. But I felt that earlier in the mouse one when they were on Tiger's doghouse, there's something Carol said, and I can't remember now <laughs> that I just, it just felt like it should have been Mike's line. <laughs> but may he's talking about the fuck <laughs> But of course, it's just a scene designed to humiliate. We saw this when they were trying to teach her. No. Ski. Yeah, I know. They always have wings. And then they have Carol fly fishing. And she and everyone because it's so funny when the women try to do stuff. But she casts it pretty far. Well, the thing is though, it's not a matter of far. You know that bucket. Yeah, she's trying to get. It's that you're supposed to place it with fly fishing, and it's so amusing when a woman tries to. But why are they fly fishing? They're going on the deep sea fishing. Because I don't think the writers know anything about fishing. The one time I went deep sea fishing, we weren't casting lines either. The lines were on the boat, and then you just pull them off. Not that I'm an expert on it. And then Cindy sneezes. Yes. And all. I'll look at her accusingly. How dare because you? Because it's the second sick. time she sneezed in like. And you know, hours. no one like Alice can't say, "Look, I'll stay home with Cindy if she's sick." But they all, every single one of them, has to go on that fucking boat. Because, or Mr. Phillips will have and because a fit. she's sneezing. He, because she sneezed twice in a day. They call the doctor. They put her to bed. She's in bed in her pajamas. Good God, I'm glad I don't live in this. I wouldn't mind slaying. And in the bed new, in my very autocratic, paternalistic doctor is there. Oh and, wait, but first of all, Carol's friend. Ellie is calling. Keeps Carol calling. Can't get off the phone because she's got to call the doctor. And in fact, there's one point when Mr. Phillips first invites them to go on the trip. Mike tries to call home, and the line is busy because of Ellie. It's another phone thing that doesn't happen out because Carol's talking to Ellie and can't get her off the phone. And I think back in the old days. I mean, I never talk on the phone anymore. I just don't enjoy it. Yeah, I never have. But I never there were did. people you couldn't get off. The yeah, there call. are people. The other thing that happens is Mike and Alice are in the kitchen, and Mike gives her another lecture. He mansplains that seasickness is just a state of mind, yeah, and, and she just has to get over. 
me take out his fucking Encyclopedia Britannica and look it up. Uh, yeah, why didn't that you know, bother Bob? Maybe funny. back then that's what they thought. I no, mean, well, I was going to say, yeah, it's funny know. how they call a doctor because Cindy sneezed twice, but don't give any credit or concern at all to the fact that Alice gets sick. There are people that... It could be an inner ear thing. It yeah, there are people that get very, very sick. Anyway, so, yes, this new doctor shows up who's not Marion Ross or Dennis the Menace, and no one mentioned... And no one says, mentioned oh, we got this new doctor. Yeah. But apparently the whole girls not wanting a guy doctor thing is in the past. But Cindy doesn't want to open her mouth to say, ah. No, she doesn't. And so Carol demonstrates... Although, that's his second visit, I think. First visit, he looks at her tonsils. Remember, he said he's going to come back and check. He looks at her tonsils and says if she doesn't get better by Thursday... Oh, that's right, yeah. I'm coming back. Right. And so then when he comes back, she refuses to open her mouth, which is like, really? Because she's when, afraid that they're not going to... And it's kind of cute, because everybody's kind of being pissy about the fact that their like it's big not her fault. trip is going to... So Carol says, I'll show you how to do it. And the doctor does it. And she's like, see how easy it was? And he said, can I take another look? And she says, sure. And he looks again. And then Cindy says, okay, but just once. And he looks at Cindy and then he says, okay, he says to Mike, who's standing there, check them both in Friday evening. Yeah. Or he doesn't say both. Check them in. Yeah, and they're like, them? Because he doesn't have the, no, he's the decency guy. to he say doesn't... to Carol, you know, you're... No, he has to tell her husband. Right, he has to tell her husband. Mike has to take charge. And I'm thinking... And the doc, like, oh, just orders And it. my thought is, oh, good, now we can have that gag that I hate so much, like the Christmas one, where people can't talk and so they're trying to do hand signals and stuff to show what they want because you know how much I enjoy that Because when they come, they they don't show them in the hospital or anything. Well, they do show an exterior version that I think is supposed to be the hospital. Oh, yeah. It's like a Presbyterian church or something like like a 1950. But he orders them to keep their mouths shut. And And throat really hurts. You're not going to be able to talk. Right. When Cindy's bringing stupid kitty carryall to the hospital with Among other things, she has a suitcase full of stuff she doesn't need. With rocks in it. But Alice goes, (laughs) I know that was Jan helped her. Well, crazy Jan Helped yeah, her, I know. Helped her, I know. Helped her She's pack. got a gun, too. That and Jan I get so her. bored with that no-talking bullshit. I know. And then Alice is going to go to the grocery store. They're both laid up. And I thought Alice couldn't drive. Good point. Thank you. Maybe yes. she learned. So apparently. Although, she's going to the market. Maybe she's walked. But the ice cream's going to melt. Yeah, I know. I would have hated them to miss a chance of them trying to teach Alice to drive. Wouldn't that have been funny? I know. But, now, what I don't understand is when Alice is gone, Mike calls think he's thinking he's going to talk to Alice. Yeah, he is. He, he even says, where's Alice? When Carol finally answers, she kind of doesn't want to answer the phone. She's not supposed to talk, but she finally answers. And he's like, where's Alice? And she's like, she's at the store. And he's like, well, you're not supposed to be talking. So they hang up. And then Mike, and I'm like, really, Mike? Really, Mike? He fucking calls he can't resist it, again. Mo. He's got to he do calls a little mind because game. he doesn't trust his wife, and she doesn't want to answer the phone. But he knows Alice is at home, and Carol, you know, what? know. so he makes her do it. I know, and it's just fucking crazy <laughs> on his part. But he hasn't played mind games in a while, so he kind of has to. And then he pretends he's Ellie. And I Carol, said he can't resist a mind game. Carol somehow, <laughs> Carol somehow falls for well, it. It's only for and a he's few like, seconds. no, it's not. It's your husband. Because she's like, Ellie, and you don't sound like scared. yourself. I would have been like, yeah. fuck and you. What 
sick. I know. And then after he hangs up the phone, he shakes his head in disappointment and, you know, the Carol really let him down. You know, she wasn't supposed to answer. It's like, talk about gaslighting. This is something that bothers me. He apparently leaves work early and it's apparently afternoon. Well, maybe it was, I was thinking when Alice went to the store, it was morning, but maybe it's afternoon. The time sequences are all messed up, including the references to when they're going to go on the boat. Because he comes home, he apparently leaves work early to go home, but Alice is still at the store and Carol and Cindy are eating. Yeah, and but he does leave work early and the phone rings and we all know this is going to happen because we have watched a lot of TV in our lives and Carol assumes it's Mike, it's Mr. Phillips and Carol assumes it's Mike's pretending he's Mr. Phillips and she says something like, I'm glad I'm sick because I don't want to go on your barnacle your broken down barnacle barge yes and he hangs up on her and he hangs up Mr. Phillips is pissed. pissed and then who walks in the door shortly after Carol like hangs two up seconds. two seconds but Mike but I want this like, reminds me of something what? that happened in real life I used to work as a receptionist at a small hardware company and the boss who owned the company had an office in the building he kind of was stalking me, but that's a different story. Mm, that's a story for another podcast. His mother was dead, I guess, but his elderly aunt used to call him all the time, and she had a very strange, raspy voice, and she'd always ask for Mr. Abbott, or whatever his name was. And I said, who was that that called? And someone said, that's his aunt. She's in the hospital. So someone explained it to me. Well, then I moved into the office to be an accounts receivable, and this dipshit woman they hired to replace me. Well, when this aunt, Pauline, or whatever she was, called, Louise, the new receptionist, didn't think that it was a real person for no reason and said, who is this? And you're, you're fooling with me. And she kept hanging up on her. Oh, my God. That did not go over well with the boss. No, I bet it did not. She didn't get fired, though. And neither did Mike. Even though Carol insulted Mr. Phillips' bow, Mr. Phillips appears shortly after. With and Mike a bunch is of flowers. With a huge and Carol's on the couch. And, Carol's, and he tells her he's glad she's feeling better. And he, and Mike says, well, I can. Oh, because Mike tried to call him back and explain what Mr. Phillips yeah, hung, hung up, up on, on him. him. So Carol hung up on Mr. Phillips. And then Mike called Mr. Oh, Phillips back. Oh, because she thought it was Mike. That's right. right. And Mike called Mr. Phillips back. Oh, and we can sue. And one interesting thing Mr. Phillips says to Carol is you can insult oh, a man's you? wife, but not never his, his bow. bow. And I, everybody laughs. Cause and the kids so... are all in their pajamas at the top of the stairs. Yes. And one thing I will say about the whole scene where Carol and Cindy were in bed together, and I mean that in a purely platonic way. Yes. But... Cindy actually got to be normal. Yes, she did. And it was funny when Carol picked up the phone, Cindy kind of does the shame on you kind of finger wagging and stuff. I really think that they did, and I know we've talked about this a lot, but they did Susan Olsen a huge disservice. Yeah. Especially the first season and stuff by forcing her to play this stereotype of a child that nobody really even wants around and isn't that cute and everything. And then when you can see the range of her acting ability, you think she's subtle. She's got the nuances and stuff she's good right how much better the show itself could have been if they yeah if if they given her a little but you think of all the other shows back then i mean it's that's oh and also very broad strokes and i also want to say before mr phillips comes that mike 
is very pissed at Carol. And and I'm like, what a dick. Because he's the one it, that put an emotion. I know. He can't I know. Her around. I know. But yeah, of course, it's her fault because she's a silly woman. But then when they when the kids go back to bed and Mr. Phillips leaves, they start making out. Despite she's trying Mike's, to talk to him. And he, he, despite Mike's disdain for Carol. And, you, and she probably doesn't feel like making out since she had her tonsils out. Yeah, but, well. you know, you have to submit to your man. And, but I don't understand why they're fucking making Alice go. They do show a long shot of his boat, and it looks like one of those schooners. Schooner, base. And yes, Alice needs to be dragged in. The poor thing is miserable. Well, did you end. see the seas? The schooner yes. was. And there's no Bobby in this episode. I noticed that at the end. Yeah, every once in a while they kind of fade one of the kids. It out. hit me when the boys were bringing Alice, and I'm like, "Where's Bobby?" Yes, and yeah, you know, when they when yeah, they, they were trying to save money by it was not yeah. of these six. It was a myth. It was yeah. Meh. So the boys at the end, you know, the tag. The boys are casting, and Peter wants to win, but Carol is going to show him. Yeah, because it's it. so silly when Carol tries to do it. And this time, apparently, Mr. Dittmeyer is like, there's a big he bushes. He must be there's looking through the hole in the fence. Because she hooks Mr. Dittmeyer. Mr. Dittmeyer. Because Alice kind of pulls him up over yes, the fence. He does yeah. not look happy. And so and that, But I wondered, like, why was he in the bushes right against the fence? And he did look, uh, and I wondered if he was the same actor. It was uncredited yes, who played the, the coach. The Probably just a bland-looking guy that's just yeah. a standard. So, episode 18, our son, son the, the man. man. And this is another classic. A lot of stuff it starts with the kids acting like Indians. Indians. Yeah, whooping and howling. and howling. In fact, one of them even says, I'm not a man, I'm an Indian. Yes. I'm not a kid, I'm an Indian. I'm not a kid, I'm an Indian. And then Jan comes in with a transistor radio listening to the, that fake that crap music. Because they music probably there. couldn't get the rights to any real music. And then Greg, Greg does, I'll give him credit, he bursts through the kitchen door and makes Alice break all these eggs and he does apologize to her. But they're, the whole point of them listening to the crap music is because Greg's on the phone on the phone and the kids are making a lot of noise and he can't have his private conversation he can't have and then why having a room would change I don't know he's a man he tells Carol well yeah he told exactly and I said oh and he certainly acts like a man because he tells Carol you know we we need some changes changes and then he stalks off she has questions but he just stalks off because he's made his pronouncement ignoring her questions so I'm like yeah yeah, I guess he is a man yeah he does and so they're gonna go fucking all Mount Claymore on their camping trip again. I never looked up to see if that's if a real there's mountain. a real Mount Claymore. But that's where they go. It just reminds me of Claymore the like And it's nice bomb. to see the girls are actually into but the girls are now into camping. You know, they didn't used yes, to be. Yes, they are. Greg doesn't want to go. And he's also shaving. He has like two little cuts on his face. And Mike thinks it's funny. Yeah, yeah. Because and, and they have some But little... Greg says, I need privacy to jack off. He yeah. doesn't say that, but I'm sorry, yeah, everybody. I know, that's right. And Greg says he's too old for campouts because adults never go camping. Um, You're going camping this week. I know, I'm going to Baxter Pie. But Mike thinks it's fine for Greg to stay home alone all weekend. Yeah, it's funny because at the, the beginning 70s. of the season, oh, yeah, they, they weren't even old even... enough to babysit well, their siblings, but now he's Well, maybe okay. he did prove himself. And it, this could have been an episode of, is it okay for Greg to stay home alone, but they, they don't, don't even, even address that. Eh, whatever. You can't and then, get pregnant. And this, is, and this is one of those things where, so Greg wants a room of his own. A room of his own. Carol and Mike are talking about it, and they suggest the attic, and Mike goes, oh, geez, that would be okay if you were two and a half feet tall. Yeah. But then, a few seasons yes. later, we see, oh, yeah. the attic is. And this has come up many times. Mike's a fucking architect who designed the fucking house, and granted, he only had three kids, and probably never knew he'd have six, but 
it's, there's just a lot of wasted space in that house. It's got three bedrooms. You'd think, even if you're like, okay, we're not having any more kids, they can share two bedrooms and give the oldest kid one. Once he's out of the house, split the two boys yes. up, blah, blah, blah. Still, you'd have a guest room if you're going to have that much space, I right? I'm just well, like, maybe that's what, well, Alice. And why does Mike the, get a whole room to himself in the biggest the room in the house? I know. So, I give credit to the script. She says, well, what about the garage? And he says, well, that's major construction. So, I understand. He doesn't want to do it. At least right. He, he wants they, a quick they lay fix. That out. Yeah, yeah he wants fix. a quick fix. And Carol says, well, the den would work. And Mike says, so would the family room. Which it really wouldn't. No. Because the family room has got a sliding door. It and goes right into the, the kitchen. do most of their family yeah. activity. The den's by itself. But Carol guilt trips him and he, he does relent. And then we take a break so Alice can look ridiculous for two shows in a row. The kids are messing around with the sleeping bags. Oh, And yes. they have Alice crawl into one and it's the one where the zipper sticks. So she can't just crawl out of it. She's stuck in the sleeping bag and can't get out and it takes the man, Greg, and he can't open it either so he has to instruct Marsha on how to hold it so hold he can it pull and open it. And um, then we cut to the high school. Yeah. Which looks like Dartmouth College. A little bit. Oh, wait, but first, oh, I have to say, Mike says women will be the next thing on Greg's mind. It's like, I think they're already on his mind. Yeah. But then we cut He says they're, they're shaped like an hourglass, hour but, but not as hard. Yes, yeah, I have. So we go to his high school. There's nice a girl sitting on a bench studying, and the, the actress that plays her, I looked very familiar to me, so I had to, but she played the mother on Charles in Charge. Oh, wow. But she's been on many things. She's the daughter of somebody else, some other actor. I can't remember, but yeah, her name is Julie Cobb. Yes, Julie Cobb. And oh, so she's Lee. Uh, she's Lee J. Lee Cobb's, J. Cobb's daughter. Yes. Daughter. Okay. And she's and she's very attractive. Obviously, more mature than Greg. Much more. And mature. so he's like standing there mooning he's over clueless. her. He's fucking clueless. Like I know. really, Greg? She's like, you know, excuse me, I'm trying to study because he. She he tries to start a conversation with and her. And she says, I'm a senior. Yeah. Yeah, he says, aren't you in one of my classes? And she's like, well, which one? And, and then she's like, history. And then she's like, and she's like, no. And uh, then she's like, I'm a senior. And he's like, oh. I'm, but he doesn't give up. And I remember the scene so well oh, from the, when the I was. I put some D-bag in a groovy Yeah, but she outfit. likes it. Yeah. He, he's very groovy. First of all, he's trying to get around Greg. And <laughs> he can't. And Greg's this little squirt. And this guy's got a groovy hairdo. Yes. He looks Shades. like he's out of the mod squad. Yes. Like one of the drug dealers yes. he's got those aviator shades and oh, oh well first of all i want to say greg wanted her to go somewhere with him and she's like i'm really busy studying i can't right he yeah. wanted to go have a talk or, something. I, or something I don't think they say frap in California, i was just but, kidding but so the guy and i remember this so well and then it's triggered to me the humiliating thing that's going to happen later yes. reaches around behind her and pulls her butt yes. she's like oh paul you're such a kook yeah you're <laughs> such a kook and he's like you know, uh, hey, why baby, don't let's, let's go, go smoke pot and have sex? Yeah. Or he doesn't really say that, he but says, it's let's go to the cafeteria. And she's like, okay, groovy, groovy. Can't get away but, fast enough. And meanwhile, I'm like when, standing there, like she I know, but I'm like, she was busy. But like when Greg was coming on to her earlier before that guy showed up, I'm like, so what's he, you know, what's he planning to say to her? Hey, I have my own room. Want to come home? And Greg looks a little 
crestfallen and befuddled. Not an unusual look for a Brady. Oh, and because before they show the scene at school is when Greg reveals his new room to mom and dad. And it's and funky. It's, it's very funky. It's got a lot of floral patterns. It's, it's, not, it's as not as groovy. similar to Julie's apartment on the Mod say, Squad. I was going to say, it's not as groovy as Julie's pad on the Mod Squad, but her had more of a design His is just like, And his is just, I'm taking all this groovy lava lamps and a lot of stuff hanging from the ceiling and beanbag chairs. And it is cute. He's... he's and he had to do it all by himself yes, because nobody did. was fucking helping him no. move his mattress in. <laughs> yes, and and poor right. Craig realizes he's not groovy. He may be a man. He looks. But he's, sa- I said he looked. He looks sadly at his own jeans plaid shirt that he's wearing. Yes, he's not groovy because enough. the plaid shirt is that yellowish one yeah, he wears all the time. That when he's he has not a wearing green the green one, one right? Mm-hmm. And so he goes home and he needs money yes, for Mike. Mike for money. And I'm like, what happened to Mike his fucking an, job? You know what though, Mike, he says he'd work and pay him back. Though, I so know, but I'm like, didn't he have a job before? Remember oh, for one episode? For, yeah. Mike relents. Mike kind of has a soft spot for Greg, I think. Yeah, he does. Well, he's his firstborn. He calls him son all the time. Well, now and Greg, he, Greg looks really funky. And Greg, by the way, throughout this episode is telling people he's a man. Oh, yes. He's and, a man. and it gets made fun of a little bit and the boys are the boys make disdainful fun of him. Yes. Of him Which and, is, I think it's funny. Yeah, and they're because it's more real than you know, them all hanging out and having fun together. And we come to a scene that I cringingly remember from watching when as a Greg kid. Greg walks down the stairs. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, first of all, he comes down and he's all funky. He's got like oh. a flowered shirt and a fringed vest and Mike makes a anti Indian. He looks like sitting bull. Sitting bull I think is what or he something. says. Yeah. And he's or crazy very horse, groovy. Maybe. He's wearing a head Oh that's what he needs the money for to buy the clothes. Buy the clothes. And he he's wearing a headband and shades and the kids are he's making. Got a fringed vest and striped pants with a polka dotted shirt. But you shirt. know what? It was not polka dotted it was flower. It had little Flowered. flowers. But yeah. you know what kids did? I remember kids, oh, kids dressed I mean people did that. I had time. a pair of I used to wear flowers. I had shirts a pair of pants I loved, and they were white bell bottoms with green and purple vertical stripes. Mm. And I wore them constantly. <laughs> anyway. But, so I'm Greg is very groovy. The kids are making fun of him. So he's like, kids, they don't understand. And then he flashes a peace sign at. Mike and Carol as he walks into the kitchen. And he calls them Mike and Carol, which the Mike no, is not, not happy happening. with. And no. so he gets a little lecturing out of Mike. Mike makes the point that as long as he's in their house, you he's know, their he's son. their son and their mom and dad. Then Greg goes to school. He this sees is, the chick sitting there. Again. And I remember this vividly because I, I always too. hated scenes on it's shows. Cringy. Right, where I knew somebody was going to be embarrassed, and you want to say to them, don't do it, don't, do, don't do it. But Greg, now that he's groovy, does like, and obviously this girl has the hots for Paul, the other guy who did it. Yes. He reaches around to pull her book out from and her lap, and he rips her book. And he like, gets all apologetic. He immediately just becomes this little apologetic boy. Yes. And she tells him that he, he may be groovy to go out with in a year, you know, next once year, he, once, once he, he grows, grows up. up. And boy, burned. 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 And immediately he snaps out of his, well, not immediately. Because he goes home, he doesn't fit in anywhere. He's Aww. like, uh, he's, he's a boy, boy and, and I'm a man, I'm 18. Yeah, Sorry. he's 18, he don't know what he wants. Only yeah. in this case, caught in the middle. 
Yeah. But he's, so he goes home and they're all, they're all getting ready ready to go to Mount Claymore. Bobby and Peter are putting their stuff together and he offers to help and they're like, no, us kids can handle it. He had told his dad there was a groovy chick he might be getting together with, but... So, they're all leaving, so and then Mike, Mike tells Mike Carol... Mike apparently thinks it's okay. Mike tells Carol... Well, I think he meant going on a date. Yeah, yeah. So, but... And then Greg calls his buddies, and they're doing something that the kid makes it clear they're not going to include him in. Poor. So, Mike tells Carol he thinks Greg might need a little more money for the weekend, and he goes into Greg's pad Give and says, Hey, I just wanted to know if he had enough money... For the weekend, and Greg's like, oh, yeah, and then he... He goes in to give Greg money, and the quote is like, I thought with a chicken all. Yeah, <laughs> like he's going to pay for a prostitute. Yeah, I know. But Greg admits that falter. To tell you the truth, I would think in that family, if you had the opportunity to have a weekend by yourself, like I know we yeah. did, if you had an opportunity to be home alone by yourself, I mean, we used to stay home sick from school just so we could be I by know. ourselves. You would relish that, whether you have plans or not. It might give some a pep talk instead of a lecture. Yeah, and I was a little disappointed because I did want to hear one of Mike's lectures, but it was nice. Mike gave him a pep talk. And by the Greg, light of the lava lamp. Because Greg admits he's got nothing going on oh, and kind, he's kind of a loser. And Mike says, well, you know, you can still come with us. And Greg goes, oh, I'll get my stuff together. And Mike's like, well, your brothers already did because they were still hoping you would come. And so Greg goes <laughs> running out. And I'm like, he's going to wear that groovy outfit camping. I know. Although I noticed Carol had normal clothes on his suit. Yeah, and Mike's lecture, it wasn't even a lecture. He was, it was a good guy, kind of, maybe because Greg has grown up a little bit. And then Carol's very horny. What's new? Oh, so after they're back, Mike is sketching in his study. Oh, Carol comes right. in and she's demanding he go to bed. I mean, she wants, she wants some it. of that. And what he's doing is sketching what would happen if he divided the house into eight bedrooms, which I think is a little weird because it means he and Carol wouldn't share a room anymore. And I'm like, what's he sketching <laughs> on a napkin? Because it looks like this little tiny thing. I don't know. And I don't so know the, the ways of the architects. And so that is our six episodes. Yeah. And that, I thought that was good. There were some goodies on that one. Very very memorable ones. The very, wig, the wig. I think the wig Greg, one. The Greg with the book. I'm like I, you. I remembered that scene so well. You know what? It's funny. Even when you're little, like I was, I was probably only six or so when I. A lot of times when I watched these, you still, you know, even when you're a little kid, I understood that that was a humiliating thing to do. Yes. Even though he was older than me, yes. and he was a big boy. You didn't but, want because you knew you understood the reason it was cool for the other guy to do it was because you kind of liked the other yes. guy. They knew each other and had some kind of relationship. And if Greg did it, he's just being an asshole. But I have a fun fact. Oh, okay. And remember how last episode you said that you thought the building Mike... Yes, it looked like a library. It looks like a library. on it. And so in the tonsil episode, you know, they had their establishing shot of the outside. I'm like, oh, you were right. There are books. I mean, Uh there's pastel color books. So I Googled something like, what is the building that Mike Brady... Oh! And I came up with this website called It's Filmed Here, and it has scenes from L.A. and Chicago. And I haven't gone into it deep to see what it has. But that building, and that building is shown in many episodes, but it's the old Beverly Hills Library on Rexford Drive is the establishing shot. Isn't that style of architecture called, that that isn't Beaux Arts, is it? I can't see the picture. I took an architecture course in college, but I don't know. Oh, um, kind of Art Deco-y. It's a little Art Deco-y. It's a lot of Art Deco It's like a mid-century. Yeah. And while this one is no longer, it's kind of a cool building, but it was torn down and replaced with the current library. And we'll go to this website once in a while. That sounds cool. It also has what the establishing shot was for the wig 
story, which which was a Wiltshire Boulevard ah. um, shot. You know, it's funny. It's like their house shot. That house is actually not a bad looking house, except for that stupid window that they actually add to the house for the exterior shots, because it's supposedly yes. where Mike and Carol's bedroom yeah, is. Yeah, it makes me think of, and it's nothing like it, and has nothing to do with it, but it's just because I've read a lot about it. The house that the Amityville Horror supposedly happened and it had those little windows. And the people who bought uh, the house much later changed those windows. Yes, they had like these little quarter round windows. So next... Next week, I think we're going to wrap up season two of The Bunch, right? Yes, because... We're starting with episode 19. The Liberation of Marsha Brady. And then Lights Out. Episode 20. Episode 21, The Winner. Episode 22, Double Parked. And that's the one we mentioned earlier that they protest outside Mr. Phillips' office. Episode 23, Alice's September Song. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't like this one. Yeah, I I felt better. Yeah. Episode 24, Tell It Like It Is. And that wraps up that season. Oh, yeah, they only had 24. Um, we tell you the names of them in case you want to watch them. So you can yell things at your you know, phone or however you're listening. Yeah, you can tell us we're full of shit. And if you do. We would love to hear from people. And you can e- email us at groovytube at gmail.com. You can tweet at us. Tweet at us at groovytube. And you can follow us on Twitter. Yes. Please you can. Do. And on Instagram where we put screenshots from shows we have the closed captioning on. Or go to our Facebook page, GroovyTube Podcast, where we... And you can message us through Facebook. And we'd love to hear about your favorite episodes. And or memories of or the memories Brady Bunch. Or of anything Brady Bunch. you have to say about You can send us a voicemail or an email or a Facebook And go message. on iTunes and rate and review, yeah, please. Yeah, rate us and review us on iTunes. And we appreciate, we know we have listeners out there. We appreciate you listening yes, and following along. Yes, thank you to all our listeners. And sticking with us. And until next week. Stay groovy. Yeah. And a special thanks to Ben Sound for our groovy music.